When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Having a terrible week? Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Red. Jacob, how you doing? I'm doing good, Zach. Uh, you know, it's Halloween, so that's a fun thing. Uh, you know, always exciting. Uh, we've got a good episode of Avatar, so that's fun. Uh, how are you doing, Zach? I'm doing good. I'm chilling. Yeah, it's Halloween. I still haven't bought my Halloween costume yet, so I gotta go do that um, <laughs> right after this podcast. But yeah, you I'm you have chilling. less than twelve hours. Like this is, I'm getting stressed on your behalf. Uh, <laughs> don't stress too much. It's fine. I'm usually late right. to these things, but I'll be well, okay. Well, this was a pretty stressful episode of Avatar itself. You know, lots of things went wrong. Uh, and Hakoda at one point said that uh, the Avatar is their only chance in the long run. Uh, but the guest that we're bringing on this week knows that in the long run, everyone's dead. Uh, we brought on <laughs> Professor <laughs> Daniel Strunk uh, here Did you to just talk. Canes? Was that Canes? Or uh, yeah, no, it, it was. Yeah, it was. phenomenal. Well done. Have you seen the rap video between Canes and Hayek? It's one of my favorite YouTube videos. Yes, that was assigned reading for a class. Yeah, uh, it's great. And then there's reading. also a there's a sequel to it as well that isn't quite as good, but is still good. And one of my um, professors from college makes a cameo appearance in both. So it was it was fun to see that. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I'll uh, I'll go rewatch it. Zach, have you ever uh, have you ever seen this this rap? I've never <laughs> seen this. I'm learning about who Cades and who the who's the other guy. Uh, Hayek, Friedrich Hayek. 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 Yeah, I'm just he's hearing actually, their names for the first the, time. Jacob, he's the author of that article I sent to you on on uh, Discord. Yes, yes, I was yeah. going to mention that. Uh, I didn't make the connection that there's like the the whole rap thing, but yeah, um, I got an actual article about uh, like the stuff that we were talking about last week about uh, prison wardens being the worst people, uh, or like why uh, they often end up on top. So you know, uh, interesting reading coming from the professor. Yeah, yeah. For those of you, for those of you listening, I really enjoyed the discussion last week about, you know, why might it be that 
some of the worst people would rise to the position of uh, prison warden or whatnot. Not to say that all prison wardens are bad or or anything. I'm sure there are some fine enough prison wardens out there that do a very good job and an admiral job. But F.A. Hyde wrote an article called Why the Worst Get on Top. Actually, I think it was a chapter in his book, The Road to Serfdom. And he he just describes essentially why... um, why some people who might have unsavory morals would end up in positions that allow them to exert their uh, exert their power in unsavory ways. Yeah, um, that that's kind of what I was like guessing at last week. But yeah. boom, here we come. No, no, no. You, you, Jacob, you were totally on onto something. You were channeling F.A. Hayek without even knowing it. To quote <laughs> Keynes, you were um, you were uh, uh, what's what's this famous quote where many economists think that they're original, but they're just. Uh, uh, basically reimagining the the ideas already recycled by a defunct economist. So you you, yeah. were, you were doing that, but for F.A. Hayek last week. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. there you go. Uh, I, I've, I've made it. Daniel, yeah. we're so excited to have you here. Yeah, uh, I'm thrilled what, to be here. What, what got you into Avatar? Why are you interested in uh, the wonderful universe of uh, Avatar Glasser? That, yeah, that's a great question. It's not the same answer that a lot of your previous guests have given where they grew up with the show. I, I had no idea that the show existed until um, a few years ago. I think I had an, I had a friend in undergrad back. I, I guess I'm old. I actually wanted to ask you guys, am I the oldest <laughs> guest you've ever had? I'm 30 years old. Does that make me the oldest guest you've ever had? I don't um, think so. I feel good. like that, that makes close better. To that. I'm not the oldest. Yeah. Okay. I, we, we've had a few older guests. We tend to skew younger. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. it, it makes I, sense because yeah. it's an animated show, but you're not the oldest. Don't worry. Yeah. Young is great. Young is wonderful. I love listening to uh, the, but I, I, you know, up until like a few years ago, I thought I was like in the young category, but increasingly I find myself <laughs> in situations where I'm reminded of my, uh, uh, entering into the middle aged era of my life, which is quite, uh, exciting, but also sad at the same time. But, um, to answer the original question, how I got into this, I didn't watch it as a child, but during my undergrad years, 2010 to 2014, I had a college friend who basically told me about it. I was like, oh, that sounds great. But And I put it on a list. I had a list of shows I was watching, but I never Mm -hmm. quite got around to it. And then at law school, I had a good friend who lived on the same block as me. Alec, I'll just say his name is Alex M. And he would pop in like Cosmo Kramer. He would just knock (laughs) the door every once in a while, and I'd let him in. Always while I was studying for exams or something, always at the worst times. But he's one of these friends who's so wonderful, even if you're doing like, you know, the most intense studying that you don't want to be interrupted by or during, he, it's still worth getting interrupted by Alex M. And he was very into Avatar and told me about it and, and, and like was singing its praises and did a rewatch of it recently. And so I finally, I basically binged on Netflix. I, I, enough. So this is maybe TMI, but I am an odd duck who tracks every show. He watches since like 20, wow. I'm looking back since like 2014 or 20, maybe it was 2016. So I can tell if you name any episode of Avatar, I can tell you the exact date I watched that episode. Wow. So, oh, so yeah. you like go episode by episode and say like, this is when I watch like this uh, specific episode. Yes. I, tr- I, I like, uh, I track like right. how, what the TV shows I'm watching, like what episodes I watch and when I watch them, same with podcasts, like you said an episode of this podcast, I'd be able to basically control F on my master Google sheet here and be able to, so let's see, when did I watch the first or listen to the first episode of Aang in there? That was wow. August 18th, 2020. Okay. August 18th, 2020. That, I, I, I don't even know when we started the podcast, but it feels like <laughs> right when we were starting it. Yeah, this is a very, this is an incredibly bizarre habit I've developed. I, it started, I, I wanted to track the movies that I watched 
so that I could one day when I have children have a list Mm -hmm. of all the movies I'd seen and be like, okay, this is my starting list. And here are the movies I I winnow it down. And like, these are the movies that I want to watch with my kids because they're the best movies. They're like the, the canon of excellent movies. And then I'm sure there's like a million lists online I could have just gone to, but I wanted it to be like, (laughs) but then it like branched out into, I, I just started keeping track of like TV and, and podcasts and everything. So let's see, when did Avatar The Last Airbender? I've seen 117 episodes is how many Avatar The Last Airbender episodes. I, there aren't that many, but I've, you know, on. Yeah. yeah so, oh, yeah. when you rewatch it, you also will. Yes, it's it crazy. I know. It's, it's very, it's very bizarre. It's very weird, but it's, it's just like, uh, you know, it's fun. It's a fun thing for me. People have weird, yeah. fun little predilections. And this is, this is one of mine. I kind of wish I did that because I tend to forget a lot of the shows I watch. Like with Avatar, I've rewatched it so many times where it's like ingrained into my memory a lot of these episodes. But mm-hmm. for other TV shows, I wish I took notes. So like I watch it on this day because sometimes I'll listen to a podcast and I'll be able to remember, oh, I listened to this podcast at this location. And like, wow, I'm able to like attach it to a memory. So I kind of yeah. wish I was able to do that with TV shows like you're able to, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. My fit, my, the, the, the only, the only way this has come in handy, I should say as of now, to a warning to all the listeners i wouldn't recommend starting to do this it's a huge time <laughs> suck and i just get personal joy out of it that's why i do it but in terms of actual value if we're talking like economic efficiency here jacob the uh <laughs> the actual values in in movies it's like i can uh yes. i i actually do a, i try to do like a one-line blurb for every movie i see that kind of gives a sense of my thoughts of it and all jacob offline we've got to talk about dune because i am way higher on it i think than you after listening to what you said last last uh Ooh, last yeah episode. okay yeah we, we really should chat about that because i yeah i've heard so many people that i like their opinions have said that they liked it for different reasons mm-hmm. and I, like i must have just missed something but did you watch it at home out of curiosity no, no, no. I was oh, so okay. excited. I was like, this is a movie, uh, like, this is like a go to the movie movie. So I like, yeah. you know, booked a ticket. I like sat in like my, one of my favorite seats, like in the middle, uh, like one row behind the, the like little railing or whatever. It's a oh, perfect nice. place to watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, so you, you I, I put your feet up or something. Yeah. 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 Um, well, my, anyway, if I can offer a theory on movies, I think the best movie going experience is the second time you see a movie in a theater because you kind mm. of know what you're going to see and you know when to like pay attention. It, I, I, there's something to the surprise factor, but I, I enjoy basically like uh, knowing what I'm about to watch and really savoring it, knowing that going in. So I've always enjoyed the second watch. Maybe you'll like the second watch of Dune more if you, if okay. you get a shot. Yeah. I, I think I'd have to watch it at home though. It's just like such a big time commitment and it's free. Like, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe after we talk offline, I'll give it another shot. Zach, did you end up watching Dune? No, I haven't watched it yet, but most people, Jacob, you're like the most down on it out of anybody who's I'm, seen it. I feel like every, for most people I'm talked to, they're high on it. They enjoyed it. I know. I, yeah, I really think I might have like, uh, come out too early, too strong and then said it wasn't good. And I think I might be <laughs> wrong just based on what everyone else thinks. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've, I've also doing. I've been doing the thing where I like track the movies that I watch, and I found it extremely useful. I've never even thought to do like uh, episodes of TV or podcasts, but the movies are useful. Someone's like, "Oh, like when did you?" Or like, "Have you seen this movie?" And I can be like, "Oh yeah," and like seeing the date like kind of jogs memories of like, "Oh, this is what it was." So maybe I'll have to try it. Maybe yeah, I have an extra um, convert. And to answer your original question, it seemed looking at my notes here or my Google sheet, I started watching Avatar October seventeenth, twenty eighteen. Okay. And I binged it presumably real hard because I finished. <laughs> let's see. I finished. 
December 30th, 2018. So I want, well, maybe right. that's not a hard binge for some people out there, but that's a hard binge if you're, if you're in law school. That was a pretty quick <laughs> watch. I mean, that's, that's like an episode a day for two months. Like that is, uh, that's quite a binge. So. Yeah. 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 Um, but I, so I, I absolutely loved it. And then I watched Legend of Korra. And of course, mm-hmm. and, and uh, then when you guys launched this, it was a, a joy to get back into it. I, um, I actually, I, having now done like the Aang in there experience and the down the hatch experience and the everything is super Marvel rewatch, I think yep. the best way to watch a show, I, unequ- I think unequivocally the best way to watch a show is to watch an episode, listen to a podcast about it watch an episode listen so it's like slow and meditative and you get one episode a week and you talk about it or you think about it i think that's by far the best way to go yeah i agree i really do like it it's the problem is that you can't really do that on a first listen or a first watch of the show because like so many of the podcasts would have spoilers and like with avatar like you can you can be spoiled and listen to this podcast because like i don't know like the plots like the the twist and turns are not like groundbreaking but for something like lost like i really think that if you were like listening to down the hatch having never seen lost before that you might like miss out on some of the like oh whoa type moments yeah yeah totally agree um anyway uh cool like that's that's a great story i love that we have like some you know diversity on the how people got into it because so many of the guests are like oh yeah you know watching as a kid like uh, we did <laughs> important question very yeah. very crucial what yeah. type of bender would you be so i knew to, yeah i knew this was coming i knew this was coming and I'm really torn. I feel so I could vary. I never did dungeon or what's it called? D and D is it D and D? Yeah. Very. Um, I've never done it. I'm sure it would be a blast. I'd like to do it at some point in my life, but I know there's like a chart, right. For what is it? Chaotic, neutral. Evil. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am 100% certain that on that chart, I would be chaotic. Good. I'm very, okay. I'm very confident in that, but I don't know what that would map onto in the in in terms of the four styles of bending, I lean towards saying I'm an airbender. But then the people who would know me listening to me say that would be like that. You're totally off base. There. <laughs> one, one time, I, out of curiosity, I emailed. Um, this is going to sound nuts, but I emailed people from that I knew from different eras of my life with the okay. poll of what uh, Harry Potter house I would be in, and there were market differences. Across like life. in the eras, yes. Like people in high school thought I was Gryffindor. People in uh, college who knew me from college thought I was Slytherin. People from uh, post grad thought I was like Ravenclaw. And people from law school thought I was Hufflepuff. So it's like I'm, be- I'm basically becoming more Hufflepuff as I get older. As I guess the takeaway from the uh, from the story. But I so I, my answer would be Airbender, and I'm chaotic. Good if you want to try to figure that out. But I don't know um, if my friends and family would say airbender they might say firebender yeah i i do think that the chaotic good like lends itself to airbender like uh i sort of like not being attached and like not like you know worrying too much about like uh the rules but also like wanting to do good like that that does seem like pretty airbender i like that you've lived like many different lives you're like the lives of of daniel like (laughs) as you go through the years you're just like changing houses (laughs) well yeah yeah it's um I, I encourage all of you to do that I, because everyone or not necessarily to the degree that I did of like polling your friends with a different, but if you consider <laughs> how you've changed as a person, it's always an enlightening experience. And I do think high school Daniel's very different from college. Daniel's very different from the Daniel. Now meeting a significant other will also significantly mellow you in my experience. Maybe that's where my Slytherin has turned into a hubble bump. <laughs> okay. I mean, that sounds, that sounds good. You know, Slytherin, yeah. I guess they're not the bad guys. It's, it's an oversimplification. Yeah. But. 
Yeah, I always yeah. loved Slughorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think I think Airbender is probably the energy that I uh, like would would get. So I I think that fits. But uh, yeah, I also like I think I come off very different like in podcast form than I do in real life. Like uh, I think if I ask like work friends first, like people I've met in this community, there'd be like just different answers between that as well, just because different contexts. Yeah, you're not too firebendery on the podcast, even though you are a firebender, or so you say. Uh, whoa, whoa, was that an accusation, Zach? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, no. I, I'm actually saying like you're nicer than the average firebender, or so I'm you say. To, I, I, I don't know. I just pulled that out of my. Here, here's no, a question: What would the ing in their podcast be in a bending type? If it was, if the podcast itself was a bending type, I feel like the mm. podcast itself is a waterbender, but that's just me. Yeah, yeah, that that tracks. I think we've changed a lot throughout the seasons. I feel like we every episode is very different. So yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah, I mean, like it's definitely like we've grown a lot. Like I mean, we didn't even know each other in that like first record uh, that we did, and like now we've like grown to know each other quite well. I think like it has probably changed as we like you know understand like you know Zach and I's dynamic better, and like we keep bringing on more and more people into the hang in their universe of uh, yeah. guests. So. Yeah, speaking of guests, by the way, I, I wanted to let you know, Audrey had asked on the previous episode if anyone had ever been caught smack talking, right? Am I remembering this correctly? Uh, yeah, I, I think or I caught, like, on, caught like on record, like you're recorded or something. So I wanted to yeah, let, yeah. I wanted to let Audrey know that one time I was driving through a McDonald's uh, and I ordered a large hot coffee. Okay. And the person um, who put in the order at and added like cream or sugar or something, and I take my coffee black. So I followed up and I said, oh, um, please, I'll just take it black. And the person didn't realize, I think, that the thing was still on and mocked me a little bit by saying, <laughs> oh, no. did like a, <laughs> to be fair, it was very funny in the moment. It was very, very funny. But the the, the person in the drive through line was like, I want it this way. I want it that. And she did like a, <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is fun. She's kind of on point. She has definitely captured it. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, I, it that's was, hilarious. I taken aback. I don't know if anyone out there has ever been mocked in a, uh, in a drive through line, but it's, it's a jarring experience, but in hindsight, very fun. Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be mortifying to the person. Was it like <laughs> clear that they, uh, that you had heard them? Um, Yes, and Ugh. I think she realized afterwards. And then when I drove through to pick up the hot coffee, I just didn't say anything. I didn't mention it. I tried That's not, fair. you know, it's just too awkward. I just, yeah, I just, uh, you know, took the coffee, said thank you, and drove away. And that was that was that was that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was definitely she she definitely got caught on the report. Yes, that's uh, that's quite unfortunate. Yeah, that's like one of my bigger fears. Like, I don't really, I don't backtalk people, but it would just be terrible if uh, people found out. But mm-hmm. Been lucky so far. Oh, actually, Zach, one thing that's uh, like this probably should have been pre-show, but my mom is in Vancouver, and she was like, "Oh, tell Zach I said hi," and I was like, oh. "Okay." So my mom says hi. Uh, she's in Vancouver. I think she said, "If you want to get any dirt on me, uh, that that you can <laughs> hit her up." <laughs> All right, maybe I'll hit up Jacob's mom. That's pretty hilarious. Yep. She's just in Vancouver. Hey, what's she here for? Uh, so my uncle lives there now. Um, he like moved to Vancouver from Australia. Uh, oh, wow. So he's now, I think he's lived there for like two weeks or something, but they're living there for the foreseeable future. So I actually think I might have a trip planned to Vancouver in the near future, Zach, and we could uh, actually like meet. 
damn, that's dope. It'll be really exciting yeah. to meet you in person. You can I do know. a live show. Do you have Do you have enough Vancouver listeners out there? I don't. I, I don't know what. I don't. Know. I don't think so. But well, my my uncle, my aunt, and the two kids <laughs> could come. Uh, it'd be pretty noisy <laughs> with the uh, with the kids. But yeah, that it would be be quite fun. Um, anyway, so yeah, hit up my mom if you want to. Uh, if you want to, I don't know. Anyway, uh, get dirt. I guess that, that's the other thing I told her. I was like, if he wants to get dirt on me, like he could just message you. Like you don't have to be in the same city for you to like contact people these days. Like this isn't like olden times. <laughs> Damn, roasting your mom, but not true. We could just, just message. Kidding. I love you, mom. Uh, she's definitely listening. So I, I figured I'd slip that one in there. <laughs> Real? Does your, I didn't know if you said that. Does your mom really listen every episode? Not every episode, but she did message me a few uh, nights ago. And so we were talking about like the people saying goodnight to each other. This was back in Nightmares and Daydreams. Uh, and I said that it might have been the Brady Bunch. And she just messaged me out of nowhere and said, no, that's the Walton family. And I, and I, I, I didn't have a lot of context. So I was like, what do you mean? And then she sent me a clip of it. So she listens like <laughs> sporadically enough to where like she'll sometimes like tell me where my references are coming from because she is responsible for a lot of them. Um, but yeah, not, not everyone. Yeah. Does she stand by her decision not to let you watch whatever PG 13 movie there was? I, I recall this, this came up multiple times. It's clearly a scarring event from your childhood. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that she would. She's, she's become a lot more chill, uh, in her old age. Uh, yeah. Or old age, not old. She's, she's <laughs> careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just dig yourself a hole there, Jacob. Oh, well, um, that's fine. I'll just tell her that this is a bad episode and she won't listen. Uh, hey! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll say it's a good episode. Just skip minutes 18, 18 through 20. Uh, although that'll make her want to listen more. Uh, anyway, we're here to talk about Avatar, maybe. Uh, an episode of the show that's pretty consequential, uh, pretty important. So, like, we probably should, uh, start talking about the episode. This is yeah, The Eclipse. Uh, I remember this episode, like, coming out, uh, like, whenever it did, like, it, there was, like, the two episodes came out in the same night. And I remember thinking, oh my god, Azula's the coolest character in television. Uh, it was like true before this where like I had already liked her, but this was like an episode that like I remembered and watching it back, I was so excited to come on the podcast and just like extol all of the great things that Azula did this episode. Yeah. So. I really love when she's lying later on in the episode. We'll get to that. She's like, I mm-hmm. am a 400 foot tall platypus bear with <laughs> pink hordes and all that. She just says it so perfectly. The delivery on that line by Gray DeLeo was impeccable. In, and I guess it's implied when she does that that uh, Toph can not feel any change in her heartbeat or whatnot. Yes, so she's yes, that, yeah. she's that good at lying. Okay, that's yes. uh, quite a skill. Very, very useful skill. Yes, uh, that would have gone totally over my head when I was watching as a kid as well. Like, there's so many things that I watch, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why that line makes sense. Because like, it just like it didn't make sense why Toph responds. But anyway, yeah, it's nothing because she couldn't tell. Uh, anyway, we pick back up right after the end of the last episode. So we see, uh, like the moon start to go in front of the sun. It is indeed the eclipse. Uh, we start out with uh, a bunch of people. Um, they're all like in this invasion. The fire nation is like fighting the earth tanks. It really felt like, uh, an actual war movie here. Like this felt like an actual war scene, whereas most of the bigger battles in Avatar just kind of feel like small skirmishes. This one had like, you know, tanks of a certain sort uh like uh going away like uh, it had like 
things barraging in. Like it really did feel very much uh, like war movie. Did you get the same feel, Zach? Yeah, I did. I liked like the rocks of fire being catapulted in by the Fire mm-hmm. Nation and then them having to duck for cover un- underneath the tanks. Yeah, it did feel like a war movie. You're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that my take from last week that, that like p- old dads will talk about this for like decades to come is like <laughs> there's no way that they're not like, oh, and then this happened. And people are like reading all these like books written by people, uh, you know, just like people do for World War Two right now. Yep. Um, anyway, so Hakoda comes out. Uh, Hakoda's now like healed by Katara. Uh, I like that they just like were like, yep, yeah, uh, he was in really bad shape five minutes ago, but now he's back in the next episode. Good to go. <laughs> I appreciated that. <laughs> I mean, he's still a little bit out of commission. He's still like limping. He can't really do anything. So he can't battle still. So, and, and I guess, uh, I, I guess the water healing is like very strong here. Is Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's clearly like, uh, some good stuff, uh, whatever, like, Katara is doing. But yeah. yeah, like, he was like on death's doorstep, it seemed like in the last episode. Like, there was a chance that it was like, oh, he's not making it here. Uh, like when Katara's healing seemingly wasn't doing anything, but all it takes is a few minutes. Some good medicine. Yeah. Um, anyway, they, so Sokka's like recapping the plan. Uh, they're saying like things are going well. And then Katara's like staring off in the distance, uh, seemingly looking like very, uh, very like confused and a little bit sad maybe. Uh, and she starts to like notice Aang and, uh, they see Aang right in like among the fireballs. Uh, and Sokka's like, oh yeah, like just tell me that you like TKO'd him real quick. Like, uh, this is super easy. And I love the optimism from Sokka. It doesn't seem like he'd be optimistic here, but I like that he's like, just tell me, tell me we won. Like, just yeah. do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Sokka because, um, I know some people hate on Sokka, especially season one Sokka and whatnot, but Sokka's the yeah. only one who's not a uh, bender at all in the main crew. So I feel mm-hmm. like he is, you know, my, uh, outlet or my, the, he's representing basically the, the viewers who see themselves as non-benders and whatnot in real life. So, yeah. um, he's a relatable character who walks us through this, this, this world. Yeah. And besides Zuko, Sokka, I feel like grows the most throughout the series out of the mm-hmm. whole crew. So I like Sokka in that regard yeah. for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I did, did anyone else find it awkward when Aang just like flies back and, knowing in context that he had just kissed Katara like however long ago and it's like <laughs> you know he he thought he was either going to die or come back totally triumphant and have and vanquish the fire lord and then he comes back kind of in the in-betweens and it's like oh um in context that kiss was like maybe not well timed if we're if we're going for the dramatic uh, return or the the triumphant return <laughs> That's that's very fair. I had not considered the kiss, uh, like not even like an hour before or whatever. But that's a good point because yeah, you gotta, you gotta back, time your kiss well. Yeah, they they don't discuss it at all. Like they they've got too many important things to do, and you got to have some time to debrief it there. Um, if you're gonna come back and not even having one, like I don't know. Yeah, I think he uh, what is it? Counted his chickens before they hatched. Yeah, or or you know, like you kiss a you and kisses her. And presumably the next time he sees her, that's going to be like the big matzo ball hanging out there, the big elephant in the room that they need to discuss. And it's weird to like kiss her, fly away, come back. And that's totally not on the agenda whatsoever. It's like uh, uh, that thing that happened, let's not address it. We just need to go find the Fire Lord, wherever it is. It's just like a weird, it must be so awkward for Katara in this moment. Yeah, because he was supposed to go like take down uh, the Fire Lord. Instead, he effectively just like ding dong ditches the palace, where like he shows up. He's like, no one's home, and he like runs away. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like definitely not what he had in mind. Uh, and then like Sokka's like pretty sharp here. Like he's, he's sharp this entire episode, yeah. but he like puts it together really quickly that like, Oh, they know the plan, uh, which like, you know, makes sense. Like, uh, that like you would be able to put together, but like, I, I was impressed that he just like snaps to like, Oh, they knew it took them like a week to figure out that Aang was the avatar and like that he was old or whatever. Uh, whenever they were like making all these excuses for him in episode one and two, but Sokka here like picks up on context clues extremely well. Yeah, not only that, he's to go even further. Sokka's instincts are able to tell him that the Fire Lord isn't too far and that he has a secret bunker. How is Sokka able to know that the Fire Lord just isn't like in another country right now? That one, that one might be luck, actually, because I did, <laughs> I had in my notes, I was like, his instincts are a very convenient plot device. The reason, I guess, that he need, he uh, expected the Fire Lord to be close so that he could still command stuff, but I don't, I don't really know how the Fire Lord would be commanding stuff from wherever he was. It didn't look like he had people hanging out with him, sending messages to like the the fire troops on the front lines or anything. So yeah, and and they have like messenger hawks. Like that's their purpose is like to yeah. fly and do stuff. Like y- you can go to your like secret base and then send a messenger hawk and then boom, you've, you've done it with little risk to you. Uh, but it's a much better episode, I guess, that he's there. So I don't mind these uh, these plot devices. And then I love that Toph is like, oh, hey, I'm a cheat code. And like most of the time, <laughs> Toph is like a cheat code, is able to like find <laughs> things way easier than like anyone else can. Here she like calls it out. She's like, oh, if we're looking for an underground secret bunker, like I can do that. That is like one of my great skills. And this episode just keeps coming back to the fact that Toph is like extremely useful to the group. Yes. And I appreciated that we finally got the like, oh, hey, this is kind of convenient. We have someone who can, you know, see everything. Yeah. And speaking of cheat codes, by the way, in the um, in whatever temple-esque thing they go into, the mountain or whatnot, did anyone mm-hmm. who's a, did either of you play Legend of Zelda at all growing up by any chance? Yeah. I got a total dungeon vibe out of this place. It's like they had to like get inside and then move these things around and then get across the lava and like they blew air on the things to make them hard. It was like one of those old school, but back I'm, I'm like a, I never did breath of the wild or anything. This just reminded me of the, I need to, I need to, but it reminded me of the old school, um, like, uh, Ocarina of time sort of dungeons that I played back in the day. Yeah. It's like the fire temple in Ocarina yeah. of time. Yeah. Yeah, it does, like, this really does lend itself well to some sort of, like, puzzle-based video game, because there are, like, so many little things and, like, the sequence that you have to do it right. Um, I'm trying to think, like, so there were two Avatar video games. I don't ever think that they made it to the game where they, like, were fighting in the Fire Nation. Like, I don't think they had an invasion, um, like, level. So I don't think that this made it, but it would have been a good level of the game. True. Um, yeah. Too bad for uh, too bad that that game uh, got terrible reviews and no one no one uh, greenlighted it. I love that game though, so I don't know. Like maybe I just need to play it again, and not realize it was bad, but I really enjoyed it. Um. Anyway, so uh, then we get like this whole like decision uh, where they get to like decide. Okay, what are we gonna do? Uh, Sokka realizes we have tenants to find the Fire Lord. Aang is like, okay, we really think that we can win. Katara is like, I'm not really sure. This might be a trap. This seems like a very important split point uh, yeah. that they can do. Like, they can either go try to find the Fire Lord, try to get the W, or they can retreat and get everyone off the beach safely. Zach, we've already talked about the Choose Your Adventure book in Avatar, but is this not like one of the best episodes for the Choose Your Own Adventure? 
True, it really is one of the best episodes for the Choose Your Own Adventure. I have a question. What are you guys picking here? Because I'm going retreat. I mean, I I have the we have the foresight of knowing what's going to happen. But even without that, Azula and the Ozai already know that they're coming. They know their whole plan. They've prepped for the invasion. So I feel like you just retreat, regather your forces, and just leave. Instead, everyone's going to get ca- all the adults are going to get captured, and it's going to be like a net negative overall. So I don't know. I think they made the wrong decision here. What about you guys? Daniel, where where do you land on it? The hard thing, so the key thing that you that's hard to know to to make this calculation is later on. Fast fast forward to the end of this episode, they just assume that everyone who's captured is gonna like not be killed, which I guess is fine because it's a kid <laughs> yeah. show. Um, that would be very grisly and very bad uh, if they if you know like Hakoda, you know R.I.P. Hakoda. Um, was Bato there? Would Bato have been? Yes, Bato, Bato would have been. <laughs> I'd be happy about that. Also, yeah. one fact: I uh, I was gonna rewatch the episode um, before we recorded this, and I had like a half an hour, but I needed to um, to shower before the before we recorded, and so I was like in a state of equipoise. And instead of watching the episode again, I watched uh, Bato of the Water Tribe again in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> needed to be i'd already seen this episode and i'm like what else might come up in this podcast and i'm like money there's good money that bottle of the water tribe will come up in this episode so i need to be yeah. prepared for that one again so i rewatched that while i was showering and it was totally um totally it, everything you've said zach is, is true about that but i'd add that you know it's uncle iroh is such a creeper in that um but yeah he is yeah, he is yeah. Yep, to, to uh to get back to the question uh and give an actual answer I think if you knew 100% that the people who were captured would act, would just be like sent to a prison and wouldn't be killed mm-hmm. and not like seriously maimed or like seriously bodily injured or whatever, like basically what happens if you know that they would be, you know, in a prison, uh, in, in bodily like health and whatnot. Um, I think you go for it because you know that those people aren't going to be whacked if you fail and you still have this one chance and the, the fire lord can't, you know, do anything without his fire abilities and whatnot. And you're already, you already have a significant investment. I know you're going to throw a sunk cost at me, Jacob, but the, uh, I say you, you got to go on the offensive here would be my answer. But in the real world, I feel like in the real world, non kids show world, they would totally yeah. just kill these prisoners, especially it's not like the fire nation has shown any indication would fo- it would follow like the rules of just warfare, like um, oh, the Geneva Conven- whatever the equivalent of the Geneva Convention is. So if you know that like Hakoda is going to get like axed if you fail, I say you retreat and you you save your your people at that point. That's kind of like my dual answer. Yeah. So in the HBO version of the show, which is another uh, HBO version of the show, another tick on the bingo card along with Bato of the Water Tribe. <laughs> uh, but in the HBO version, like they, if they get captured, they're definitely dying. Like we're losing a lot yeah. of characters on this day. So I think the retreat makes sense. But like just the logistics of like what they have to do. So they have 10 minutes to find the Fire Lord. Then the eclipse is like eight minutes long. So they have like 18 minutes to do this entire process. And I get that's how long most episodes of the TV show are, but obviously there's like some speeding up. But it just seems like a crazy task that they're going to find the place, they're going to defeat the Fire Lord, they're going to make it out safely in 18 minutes. Like, it's a little bit wild. The other thing that I kind of think is that there might be a third option. And so I feel kind of bad that I had you two go first. But (laughs) they can retreat and Appa can like chill somewhere. And then the like strike force can get out on Appa. Like there's no reason that they need to take the capital if they defeat the Fire Lord. 
if they defeat him, then it's very easy to take the capital later. Um, excellent, excellent point. And if given that as a third option, I'd go with that as the third option. I was just choosing, nice. but I'd, I'd add to this though, and I was going to save this for the end, but it seems a, a good enough time to, to do. I don't think this plan makes any sense at all. Like I, I gave my answer under the premise that like we want to execute the plan and the plan makes sense. But I actually think this plan makes absolutely zero sense. Um, and the reason is because let's say everything goes according to plan and they succeed in every way. And Aang like goes in there and takes out the Fire Lord. Yep. And then they and they take over the capital. It seems like the two prong based upon Hakoda's speech in the previous episode, the two prong goal here is to goal one, kill the Fire Lord. Goal to take the capital. Even if you achieve both those things, you're not going to end the war because you have a line of succession to get a little bit into the law here. You'd have like some line of succession in the Fire Nation. And who's next in the line of succession? It's Azula. So if anything, you're going to like basically hand power from like this uh, evil, very, very evil man, but seemingly not as like um, smart as, I don't know. Azula seems like not the kind of person you'd want to take over. And then- even if you succeeded in taking the capital, you're still in the middle of um, you're still in the middle of the Fire Nation. Like, what are you what are you going to do? They're, the armies would just the Fire Nation armies and all the other cities would just surround you, and eventually, at the very least, they just lay siege to the city, and you'd starve to death. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't actually seem like a very like clear plan. I, there's very few times where wars are won by taking like one city and then just everyone else quits. Like, yeah. there's a reason why. Like, you like you know take back land and like you push the land back as opposed to just like, we're going to strike at the heart. Cause it's just like, okay, great. Now you can't hold on to it. Um, is there a chance so that Zuko might be next in line? Like right now he's in his father's good graces. Like maybe he hasn't edited his will yet to say like, Oh no, make it Azula. Or do you think like Ozai never like, Ozai never even had that in the will. Uh, that's like, give it to Zuko. I feel like Ozai never intended for Zuko to take his throne, but I could, cause be he wrong. is, he is the firstborn, so yes, it does seem true. it does seem like the succession would go to him. So, like, if it's Zuko that's in charge, like, I don't know. He does not seem very uh, good at capturing stuff. So, I don't know <laughs> what the uh, I don't know what the what the line of succession rule is in the in the Fire Nation. It would be it would be a constitutional question, but I don't think the Fire Nation has a is like a it's definitely not a constitutional republic. I don't know what sort of constitution it would have. Um, it's very, FYI, for all the nation builders out there, really important to have a line of succession. If you watch the second movie in the <laughs> remake of the Planet of the Apes trilogy, what is it, like Dawn of the War of the Planet, the second one, that entire conflict in that movie could be solved if the apes had had a proper line of succession, but they did not. And so everything went to, went to hell. But I, I, I would assume whatever like constitutional structure they have in the Fire Nation, if any, would have Azula taking over because it would... They wouldn't have been able to amend the constitution in time to reinstate Zuka. Would be my would be my guess if they even that's, care about that's it. Fair. Yeah, yeah. You, you do make a good point about the line of succession, but like, so in the movie, uh, like Dawn or Rise of Planet yeah. of the Apes, like, yeah. it's kind of awkward to have a plan of succession because then that means like, oh, like we're planning ahead for this person to die, and like, like Caesar is in like fine health. Like, it, I don't think they like expected him to die, and like, doesn't it just incentivize the second line to like? you know, try to see if they can get him to, like, slip on or something? Uh, I guess, Speaking, you know, economically, it would incentivize number two in line to, to act. But the, the the stability it provides, I think, outweighs the costs of, of that. You can always keep your eye on this. So, you know, I, I'd assume that right now President Biden is, you know, aware that Kamala Harris is a pretty, you know, Kamala Harris isn't going to be doing anything. 
um, because <laughs> there's lots of protection around President Biden. And there, even if there is an incentive, you know, it's still uh, it's it's still important to have that that stability. And that's why if you can look up on the I think it's probably on Wikipedia, the, the chain of succession in the United States is actually pretty cool. It's cool to look at. It goes down many, many you know, rungs. It's very, very, although I had a professor in law school who thinks it's absolutely crazy that the speaker of the house is number three, which is, is very, um, very, he made, he made a very, very good point about that. So we, but that, that's who good. should be, who should be third, like just someone in the cabinet. Well, his, his argument is that you want to, in a time of crisis, like if someone has been taken out at the very high, if the president has been taken out, God forbid, knock on wood in the vice president as well. And it goes to the speaker of the house. Um, it's clearly a really, 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 really bad situation, uh, potential mm-hmm. warfare, uh, potential like massive incident. And in that situation, you want someone with a national mandate and the Speaker of the House. And this is his argument I'm making, not my own argument, I should say. And the Speaker of the House is an important figure in that they've been chosen out of the House leader, out of the, all the members of the House to be the leader of the majority. But they haven't garnered any form of a national mandate because they've only had to convince voters in whatever small congressional district to elect them. Hmm. Um, yeah, this professor, this professor who did some consulting work for the West Wing. Uh, okay, he, great show. Yeah, he proposed that there should be three people on a presidential ticket. The third, okay. the third person's job is only to be there in case of like a drastic emergency to take over. And then that third person would have a national mandate by virtue of having been chosen by the entire electorate, which I found to be oh. a very intriguing idea that will literally never happen in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause I was thinking like any member of the cabinet has also not had a national mandate. They were appointed, not elected. So at least the house representative was voted on by some people. Uh, but then to have a third person, you know, people say like the VP job is just like to like, it's not like a real job. Uh, like the third person on the ticket would be like even less of a job. Well, it's yeah. but it's a very important job if you consider that that person would be the the uh, the person to take over in case of argue, maybe like the worst possible crisis the United States has faced. So it, yeah. I I would I would take that very seriously when I was when I was voting actually, but I might be in the in the small minority in that in that sense. Wasn't this yeah. the plot of Kiefer Sutherland's designated survivor? This whole <laughs> <laughs> debate. Also, there's a Shia LaBeouf movie. I think it's called Eagle Eye. Uh, where like this whole thing happens where like they plan to take out everyone except like, I don't know, the secretary of like, I, I don't even remember what it is. Uh, like one of the like minor secretaries, like 15th in line or something with the goal of like taking over the entire government. Uh, so I like, I was obsessed with the line of succession as a kid, like after yeah. watching that movie. So this is I, great. So if I can pitch a movie idea to any budding screenwriter out there, I have always wanted, this is the econ and like poli sci nerd in me and lawyer nerd. I have always wanted to watch a like zombie movie or a disaster movie or whatever from the standpoint of a president who fails in his or her job. So like there is this catastrophe, people are turning into zombies and you see it from the president's point of view as he or she's in like the crisis room of the Oval Office or whatever, trying to handle and figure out what the heck's going on. And then slowly but surely losing like control over what the heck is happening because the zombie apocalypse is like spreading. I think that would be very cool. You see like a political collapse rather than a societal collapse. But I don't know if there's a strong enough uh, market for that. Uh, Jake and Zach. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm buying a ticket to it. I'll even write down what day I saw it. Uh, like, I, I, think, I think there's like, there's a lot of intrigue there, especially if you keep it to like one room and you have like only like outgoing calls and you're like, he's going to, or like they are getting information in. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that'd be interesting. 
Yeah, right. but well, anyway, anyway, that would wouldn't Azula just take over, and this is all for naught? Although the, yeah. the, to make this critique at the in the finale, maybe or spoiler alert, we could save save this for the for the end. Well, yeah, I mean that's what I was going to say is like uh, even if like Azula does take over, like we see she cracks under the pressure in about five seconds. So actually, Azula yeah. taking over might be better for uh, for the Fire Nation just because it would just turn into uh, Azula breaking down quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, oh, oh, go go ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was I was going to move on and say which path they took, which is, I think is the worst one. Oh, okay. I was just going to say maybe the Fire Lord really is like the focal point of everything in this war. Like uh, I think it, I forget the name of the Scott. Maybe it was Klaus Klauswitz or something. Who like you strike at that one person and that's it. That's all you have to do. It's like Rob Stark in. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a spoiler alert as well. You know, you take out Rob Stark and everything <laughs> crumbles. It's like you take out. <laughs> Fire Lord, um, the Fire Lord, and everything crumbles. My, yeah. my 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 view of this is like there's way too much vested interest in in this war amongst the Fire Nation for everything to stop after the Fire Lord's taken out. But for the purpose of like having an enjoyable experience and watching the show, um, I think it's it's best to just put that to the side and, and enjoy it. Yes, uh, yeah. no, I, I think that that makes good sense. And actually, it does seem like in the finale they take out the Fire Lord, and that kind of is just like the end of it. Like being able to take yeah. him out, like did effectively, uh, effectively like end uh, their progression. So, but I think it not, not not to spoil the end. I think the manner in which the Fire Lord is taken out matters a lot for this in this regard. That, that's I think fair. it probably crumbled his uh, cultural support amongst the people. The manner in which he failed. Yes, no, yeah. that's a good point. That, that is yeah. a good point. I agree. Beating him in a bunker is not as effective as like the absolute uh, dramatic like victory that Aang yes. has in the end. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, they pick the path that they're going to go try to find the Fire Lord, obviously, because it's much better for the TV show. Uh, they start running around, uh, <laughs> and Toph is like, um, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of tunnels down here, and like, uh, okay, I can feel like where this is. Uh, she's like, okay, there's uh, like something metal in the heart of the volcano. Sokka's like, cool, secret bunker. And boom, she found it. Uh, not only does she find it, but once they get into the tunnel, she's like, no, it's this way. That one's actually a dead end. She's like a map. Um, she's like radar. She really is. She's a lie detector. Like so many parts of uh, Toph's, uh, like, I don't know, tool belt or arsenal are like absolutely game breaking here. So hats off to having Toph. Yeah, there's this video I've seen, this viral video. It's this large dude, and he's yelling. He's like, that's why he's the MVP. That's why he's the GOAT, referring to some, like, basketball player or something. And that's how I feel about Toph. It's like, that's why she's the MVP. That's why she's the GOAT. Because she's uh, every episode we see her do this. And this episode, she just straight up announces. She's like, oh, finding bunkers? That's my specialty. And she's able to do it and save everybody here pretty much. And they would have died in the lava if it weren't for Toph, too. Yeah, yeah. And at one point, Saki even, this is a little bit later, but Saki even says, like, I'm so glad we added you to the group, uh, <laughs> like, after she, like, saves their life for, like, the 15th time. Um, but yeah, they, they do have, like, lots of cool things as they're navigating these tunnels. Uh, you know, like, they're, well, first off, like, the tunnels they're, themselves are cool. They're, like, uh, they're, like, dimly lit. Uh, they've got, like, the right sort of feel for, like, yeah, the dungeon is, as you said earlier, Daniel, but, yeah, they're like going through. There's like magma all around. They're, they they uh, get to a point where there's like magma erupting from the ground. Uh, so that like, like I don't know what kind of game it would be. Um, I was gonna say Twister, but that's not ex- at all how you play the <laughs> game of Twister. 
I haven't played. I've like never played Twister ever, and I probably never will. Me neither. Yeah, I feel. I feel like at this point, uh, you probably like. There's no need to play t- Twister, but we did have one at my grandma's house, uh, so we would play it sometimes. Yeah, I think this came up on Renap recently, actually. Um, it did. Whether anyone's buying Twister? Yeah, yeah. I think the answer is the answer is probably no. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so not Twister. I don't know. There's definitely a game where it's like step on this thing at this time. Like, oh, are you thinking Bop It or? Uh, yeah, it's like it's like Bop It. Yeah, it's oh man, yeah. I I love Bop It. I need to go find a Bop It. Actually, I I now that you put that in my mind, I haven't played Bop It in like years. I need to buy one on Amazon. Yeah, Bop It like took the world by storm. Oh yeah, and then it was the crazy one that was like five different things. You know what I'm talking about? It was like there was Bop It flick. There was like two new things. They like added two things to the OG Bop It, and it became wow. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I only knew the one that was like bop it, pull it, twist it or something. Yeah, they think, added like a flick it and another another one. I don't I don't know what the other one was. <laughs> but great. maybe maybe what you're thinking of is the dance dance revolution where you have to jump on the different things. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, effectively dance dance re- revolution, but the the punishment if you get the wrong uh, like square is that you're burned to a crisp. So it's a little more yeah. high stakes. Um, anyway, yeah, Sock is like, okay, we need to be fast and careful. And then as soon as he walks, like he about, like he almost runs into like this, uh, shooting magma out of the ground. Uh, Aang is hopefully, like luckily there to cool it down for him. Uh, but then Sokka clarifies that he has to be fast, careful, and lucky. <laughs> Great line <laughs> like from Sokka here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quite literally the floor is lava, which by the way, was such a bad Netflix show. I was so excited when I saw the trailer for that. It was so bad. I uh I never watched it. I the, the most I know about the floor is lava is from community. Um but uh I, I I've never even played it, which is quite sad. Uh yeah, I'll throw I, yeah. I, I, I throw it to Zach to offer any commentary on the floor is lava. I, I missed I, out on that in my childhood. I played the floor is lava as a kid. We'd like all jump on the couch and pretend like the floor was lava, but I never watched this Netflix TV show because I heard the reviews were not great, so I didn't yeah, well, watch it. Definitely don't waste your time on the show, but if you have a free day, you know, playing Twister and Floors Lava sounds like a good afternoon to me. True. Um, anyway, so then they, they go to this gigantic door. Uh, this is like uh, a huge metal door uh, that's like blocking off the next entrance. Uh, and Toph just like straight up uh, like pokes it a bunch. Uh, that's like effectively what she's doing. She's obviously metal bending it, but the way that she's metal bending it is like less aggressive somehow than earth bending. Um, but yeah, she even like style points with this and like yeah. kisses her fingertips to split the door open, which made me laugh out loud when I noticed that she like literally kisses her hand and then does it. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's quite, uh, quite the cheat code. Yeah, she hits the door with like some MMA elbows at one point. She goes like, doo, doo, and, like hits it with some elbows. <laughs> yeah, very impressive. Did we miss the best part though? The best part for me was when they met that fire priest. Do you know? Yeah. That, oh, no, we yes, haven't got that, there yet. Oh, that, that's, yeah, the, that's yeah, the next yeah, thing. Yeah, like, spoiler alert. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, go, go on. Like, uh, what, yeah. So they run into a fire priest. And yeah, Daniel, like, uh, yeah, I, I love this I part. I love this part. Where they run into a fire priest and they're like fully expecting to have to, you know, fight this fire priest. And the fire priest just immediately gives up where the fire lord is. And I, 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 I was watching this episode, um, last night and while my significant other was, uh, was falling asleep and I laughed so loud at this that I think it woke her back up. <laughs> I don't know why this I think I think um 
for whatever reason, I just found this hilarious. It reminded me of the Iron Man three. I don't know if you've seen in Iron Man three when uh, uh, Tony Stark is invading the house of the of the Mandarin, and then the one guy, you know, it just like gives up meaning. It's like I don't get paid enough for this. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be intimidating when you see like the actual avatar there, and I do love like uh, how he even gives like the like hand signals for like how you go, and like yeah, he he gives yeah. he gives pretty good uh, instructions, I think. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any chance that Azula was like this big brain to where she planted someone there in case to be able to give it up, or was this lucky and this was like uh, like the person genuinely tried to just give away all the information? I think the person genuinely tried to give all the way information, but Azula was big brain enough to have her in the Fire Nation, like King's quarters or yeah. Fire Lord's quarters. Yeah. So yeah, that's like her big brain move. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, but before we got that, we got like a small scene where uh, they're all saying like, oh, we're going to we're going to take the hill. Uh, and so like we see like the, the rest of the invasion force uh, like keep moving up. Um, yeah, it's like Bato trying to give a motivational speech. I just tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> he did a fine job. I know, uh, I know. He did okay. And honestly, I crap on Bato as the character, but the character's fine. It was really the episode that was just bad, but then I just associate him with the episode. Yeah, it, it's like the character himself did like nothing wrong, technically. But yeah, I just yeah, ironically I how- have like come to hate him. The yeah, the disdain for the for the episode, which really stemmed from Aang uh, yes, not having Aang's the character. Fault. Yeah, Aang not having the character that like we know Aang to be, like being deceitful. Uh, yeah. That's the reason why we didn't like the episode, and now it's turned in that we don't like the guy. Like <laughs> that's terrible. Poor, poor, yeah, poor guy. Poor guy. Um, anyway, so. They get there, uh, they're like excited to uh, face the Fire Lord. They break down the door right as the eclipse is starting. Uh, and instead of getting, you know, uh, the Fire Lord and some Mark Hamill, instead we get Azula sitting there, uh, who just reveals herself in such a great way because her line is not like, oh, surprise or anything. She's like, so you're alive after all. And like just the way that she says it's so like matter of fact. Uh, it's just like, it's so good. Like, it's so calculating where she was like, like, she didn't know this to be true, but she's like, oh yeah, okay. I can see how this happens, which is like, must take the, take the wind out of team avatar sales. Um, anyway, was this surprising, uh, when you first watched this, Daniel, you were probably like old enough to, to remember when you first watched it. Um, well, let's see. I watched this episode. (laughs) On December, uh, for the first time, this is season three, episode 11, right? Yes. I watched this for the first time on December 29th, 2018. And okay. wow, I also watched. So on December 29th, 2018, I started on season three, episode nine, and I ended on season three, episode 19. So I like rampaged through. See, this is the fun. Wow. This is the fun little bit of trying it. You forget these things. But like, <laughs> I know that I watched on that day, 10 episodes of Avatar. So I was probably flying through it so much. I don't remember my, my, my reaction, but I, I, I think I saw this coming and they, it was very much foreshadowed. Um, but I'm, I'm yeah. glad that they did this as a narrative direction. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like, yeah, I, I can just imagine you like you're there. Uh, it's like the episodes are picking up, they're getting good. And it's like, you know, uh, like winter holiday type thing, less responsibilities. Yes. You're like, let's just uh, like slam through all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, very exactly. Cool. Um, anyway, yeah, so th- this was like pretty surprising to me. I remember like expecting that this was the end. I'm not sure like I knew like they were going to be like 
another half season of episodes, but I kind of thought like, oh, this could be the moment where like he takes down the Fire Lord. So this is quite the like 360 for me, 180. 360 doesn't make sense. 180 for me. <laughs> yeah, 360, you just get dizzy. 180, you change yeah. direction, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Zach, were you surprised when you first saw this? Uh, not particularly. I kind of saw it coming. I was a little older when I watched Avatar the first time. I was like 14, 15, so I think I saw it. All right, it. so you all can pick up on context clues. That's good for you. <laughs> well, how, well, you, you were, were really, really young, young when you first watched it. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's totally uh, an, an excuse for you. Yeah. All right. I'll uh, I'll take the excuse. Um, I mean, I wish I was you though. I would have gotten more utility out of uh, being surprised. It's more fun to be surprised than to yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. And I think like the next few episodes like all have some good surprises. Like especially when Zuko like you know fully defects and like joins the group. Like mm-hmm. that's like that's also like uh, quite the surprise. At least when I first watched it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then we also see after we get the Azula reveal. Uh, we get Zuko going in front of a door himself where he says, like, I'm ready to face you. Uh, he opens the door and he's confronting him, his dad himself. Uh, I almost said daddy and I'm so glad I edited myself. Uh, <laughs> but, but then I revealed it. So I didn't do much better. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, he, uh, like goes up to, uh, Ozai and he, like, puts, uh, he puts his, like, uh, you know, his feelings on the line here in this scene. Um, but before that, we have all of the setup. Uh, we see on the outside that the eclipse is starting, and the mechanist has made some cool uh, uh, eclipse glasses. They're much more stylish than the eclipse glasses that we have in real life. I'm a little surprised that we have like not figured out a good-looking eclipse glass. That's true, but this scene seems so unnecessary to me. Why they have to put on their eclipse glasses? It, like, because it's the middle of like Zuko confronting Ozai, and I was really invested in that, and I wanted to watch it. And then we cut away to these like people putting their eclipse gla- these wooden eclipse glasses on. I don't know. This scene kind of like took me out of the episode for a little bit. It's probably to teach the children the importance of safety during eclipses. Um, probably, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. That probably is it. Like Nickelodeon might have said like. Hey, uh, if you're going to have like an episode with the eclipse, can you put in this like little PSA for us real quick? Just to, like <laughs> incentivize good behavior. Um, I, so I like, there was an eclipse. I don't remember a few years ago, maybe like 2017 or something. And it was so tempting to look without my glasses. Like I, I'm not sure I've ever been more tempted in my life. Like I, you know, you can go blind. So like I wasn't going to do it, but like I just, I didn't see why I couldn't like, yeah, someone's got to explain the science of why it's bad to look with your eyes because it, was, it really, it really was tempting. It was like the end of Indiana Jones and in the and the yeah that the, the the very first one. I'm I'm totally failing as a movie buff, not knowing the name of the uh, for Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, the Lost Crusade. I think it's oh, it's Temple's, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is Raiders, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah, is the first yeah, one because yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Lost Ark is what you makes can't them. look or your face will melt. That's like, you have to wear yeah. your eclipse glasses. That's, that's the important thing. But but the problem with that, so like if I saw someone else's face melt, like great, I'm definitely not looking. The problem with the glasses is like it's so hard to see the consequences that you're like, oh, why not? Like I can take a peek. <laughs> it's uh, the pelt effect, is what you're describing. That's that's uh, I don't. That's an economics. Uh, the pelt effect is the idea. If you wear your seatbelt, you're more likely to drive recklessly because you know that you'll be safe if you're wearing your seatbelt. Heavily contested, people don't like the pelt effect, but it is that's if you wear your eclipse glasses, maybe you're more likely to look directly at the sun. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't. I can still see. So there you go. Um, but I, uh, I guess I had some of the the pelt effect. 
um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure I agree with that. Like, I think if you're the type of person to wear your seatbelt, you're probably conscious of the risk. So I'm not sure you're going to be more risky. Well, think about the example that I heard, I heard used on a different podcast that, so I can't claim this as my original thought was if you're a dri- if your mom's driving you and you unbuckle your, your seatbelt to get something out of the, uh, tr- uh, trunk of the car. Your mm-hmm. mom usually drives slower. If, at least that's the way it was when I was growing up. So that's the pelt effect. It's like she knows, or your parent knows, your dad, your mom knows that your seatbelt is unbuckled. And so they drive a bit more carefully. And the idea is mm-hmm. that that kind of transmits over in a subconscious way to people's driving. And they've done, they've like looked at different, uh, you know, large data sets of car accidents and it, the, the number of, I think the number of car accidents has remained the same, even with seatbelts, but the number of pedestrians that have gotten harmed is, I, I I should not I should not claim any expertise in this. I'm totally not. <laughs> well, well, so that that That's actually great. does make sense. That, like, if I'm wearing my seatbelt, I might not drive more recklessly, but like, I might not like uh, you know stop uh, like as quickly because like I don't want to hurt myself. But like you know, if mm-hmm. if I'm like on the uh, if I'm fine, then like maybe I would you know not internalize the harm causing other people. Anyway. All this to say, uh, when the eclipse comes next time, don't look at the sun, but it yeah. is very tempting. Yeah, you'll be blind and you'll, yeah. your face will melt. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, that, that's not true. I was lying. That's no, not, no, was, it is true. Your face will melt. You heard it here <laughs> first on Agid there. What is this misinformation? <laughs> um, anyway, so no melting faces in this episode of Avatar, but maybe in the HBO version, maybe we get a melting face or two. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we, we get that little short scene with the mechanist, which I agree, Zach does like kind of take you out of it, but we go back to Ozai and Zuko and we have Zuko, uh, lay out his case for all of the reasons why he's like telling, uh, Ozai off. Um, I do like that Ozai like immediately like says like, oh, you're telling me the eclipse or you're telling me the truth during the middle of the eclipse. Like, okay. Like I get like, you know, you've waited for this moment. Like, like this is like a uh, real deal, but also like, I get it. You're like a coward coming to me now rather than any other time. Um, I, I thought that was like a very cutting remark. I could definitely see where Azula gets her like cutting, uh, like biting nature to her. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. So then uh, one of the things that he tells uh, Fire Lord Ozai is that the avatar is not dead and that he survived. How does Zuko know this before? Um, like before we get the confirmation, like I know that he did like have Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man like hunt him down. Do you think he like reported back or something? Uh, yeah, I guess that's, how else would he have known? That's the only thing I was thinking of that Combustion Man reported back. Because you're right, how else would he know? Daniel, do you have any other theories? Didn't the didn't Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man have a have a like bird of some kind? Maybe. Maybe this is, or was that soccer had a bird? I'm not, am I misremembering? No, no, no. His bird. Yeah. No, yeah. Maybe the, that's, maybe that's the whole point of the bird is to be like, Hey, Zuko, just want to let you know, uh, the avatar still alive. <laughs> sparky, sparky. <laughs> so formal yeah. from Sparky, Sparky, Boom Man. Wow. Yeah. I didn't take him for such a formal. Yeah. Although bird. Sparky, Sparky, Boom Boom Man shouldn't have started the sentence with just. I hate it. But I, I try to always avoid starting my sentence with just want to let you know. You know, I try, I try to avoid yeah. that. But Sparky, Sparky, Boom Boom Man. Um, that's I think that's what he was using the eagle for. Yeah, I'm not sure I've like uh, thought about the using the word just. The thing that gets on my nerves is when I like start my sentence with I think as if I'm like qualifying what I'm saying when like I know what I'm saying is true. So like 
I'll say like, oh, I think that this happens at like 9 a.m. And like, I know yeah. it happens at 9. It happens at 9 every single day. Like, I don't know yeah. why I'm saying I think. Yeah. Pro, uh, pro tip for any legal writers out there. One of the, and I shouldn't act as if I'm an expert in this because I've literally never practiced law yet. I'm starting my very first legal job uh, this coming Monday. Um, oh, nice. But when I worked as a law clerk, you learn that one of the quickest ways to write better is to cut out the I thinks and I believes, especially in advocacy. If you cut those out and you just make statements, it sounds more persuasive. Um, yeah, well, I will, I'll try to do that myself because like, I'll notice, like, I'll be writing an email to someone at work and like, I'll have like three, I thinks, and I'm like, I know these facts. Like I'm telling them, like, I'm not guessing. So I should do the same, um, become more persuasive. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's the one that, that gets on my nerves for myself. Um, but anyway, so Zuko knows that, uh, that avatar is not dead. Uh, and Ozai is like shocked to hear this. Like when Ozai hears this, he gets legitimately nervous or scared. Like he, he looks like he's, I don't know, like really taken aback by this news. Um, yeah. Do you think that like he thought 100% sure, like there's no way he's alive? Like they never recovered a body. Yeah. He must have just been so sure that the avatar is alive. What's weird to me though. He's like irrationally angry at Zuko. I feel like he should be angry at Azula for <laughs> lying to him. No, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause, cause Azula's like, the one who lied, right? Yeah. Cause he like stands up, he like yells at him and he like essentially tries like send him to his room or I guess send him to any other room. And he's like, get out of here right now. Uh, and it's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, like it's not Zuko's fault. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe in the Fire Nation or in the world of Avatar, there isn't a lot of like um, movies or television shows or or like books or something that have the quintessential uh, trope of the chosen one surviving, even though the person that, you know, like um, not to spoil Dune, but, spo- you know, that, that <laughs> Dune. Uh, Voldemort thought he killed Harry Potter. He didn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty common. So maybe Fire Lord... Uh, the Fire Lord needs to just read more uh, and watch more TV. The Fire Lord needs to watch more TV. That's the takeaway. Okay. You yeah. know, uh, know that he needs to see a body and if the chosen one is to actually die. Yeah, I'm sure he'll uh, get right on that. I mean, Ozai only has like the Ember Island players as like uh, <laughs> entertainment. So like they're not doing things that are that serious. Like the Ember Island players are not like, you know, teaching Ozai the like chosen one story arc. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not really sure that he has a, uh, yeah, we can't really blame him. He doesn't have much to go off of. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, anyway, so before we get like uh, Zuko really saying like all of the things uh, that he ends up saying, we get a scene between Aang, Sokka, and Toph with Azula as they confront each other in that throne room. Uh, Azula here is just so funny. Everything she says like got at least a chuckle from me, uh, if not like a real laugh. Uh, because Aang like first says like where's the Fire Lord and Azula's like I'm not good enough for you you're hurting my feelings and it's like <laughs> like clearly like she understands like what she's doing here like she does such a good job stalling she is able to get under everyone's skin and the way she delivers it just just makes me laugh every time. Um, anyway, so yeah, this is when uh, Toph says like look stick to the truth I'll be able to tell if you're lying. And Azula says that like hilarious line. Uh, Zach, do you have the exact words of it? She tests the she tests the theory, and she says she's a four hundred foot tall purple platypus bear with horns and silver wings. That's yep. what she says. I paraphrased it a little bit, but that's like the gist of it. Yep. Uh, yeah, and like she is clearly very good at lying. 
very, very deadly here. Uh, and yeah, and then even Toph's like not able to tell. And then Toph like turns to some like moralistic appeal. It's like, okay, but you should still tell the truth anyway. Like, uh, like <laughs> saying like, no, 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 it's still good to tell the truth. I thought it was funny. Um, anyway, they send like a big rock, uh, like after Azula. It ends up like encasing her in this earth bending. And this, I think, was surprising. Uh, maybe like you all saw this coming as well, uh, being so good at context clues. But the earth rock breaks around her and everyone else is surprised. And like, you know, she's obviously not an earthbender. So there's got to be something up her sleeve. And she reveals that she has some Dai Li agents there who are able to provide earthbending even in the eclipse. Was this surprising to either of you? Yes, it was. I did not see this coming. Initially, I thought like Azula went Super Saiyan or something and just like broke <laughs> out of it herself somehow. And I was like, damn, how does Azula develop this power when she doesn't even have her fire bending? And then I was like, oh, it's the Dai Li agents. Even though I've watched this episode a bunch of times, I forgot mm-hmm. that she brings back the Dai Li agents. What about you, I, Daniel? Was I, was surpri- I was surprised as well. Um, because. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did not see this coming. This is I didn't remember this, and then I thought it was a for a brief moment. I'm like, wait, did Azula somehow break the continuum or was space time and learn how to like? She can now be a multi bender, and she, <laughs> 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 uh, which would be pretty cool. But that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah so I, I was surprised. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one here because this one really was like quite surprising when you see the earth like break around her and you see this like shock look on everyone's faces. Uh, and yeah, we get like uh, another quick scene here. Um, this one I thought was like at least worth, uh, worth it being here. The scene that we get with Bato, uh, surrounding the fire nation soldiers. I thought this was funny. Uh, Bato's like, okay, like, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna take over. Uh, Tyra says, okay, uh, surrender. The fire nation's like, we'll never surrender. They like try to do some fire bending. It fails in their face. And they're like, Okay, we surrender. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah this yeah. is pretty funny. I enjoyed it. I like like the big display of fire bending. He does like this whole song and dance, and then it's like lets out a little whimper of flame. Yeah, yeah, and this is like even more elaborate than most fire bending that we see, even when they're like just regular fire bending. So I like that they found a particularly flamboyant soldier to do this. It's like the umpire who goes behind and does like the big like grandiose flamboyant strike three call. Uh, I really appreciated that quite a lot um anyway they end up taking the palace uh and they do it really quickly like we know they only have eight minutes to take the palace based on the eclipse uh their plan went way better than i would have expected based on just hearing it alone uh so hats off to to Sokka for planning that one uh but here we get like one of the uh emotional parts of this episode like this is really i think the meat and potatoes of the episode zuko confronting ozai and we really get like some great, uh, some great like character development, some great like realizations from Zuko. Uh, he ends up telling Ozai that like he was hurt, uh, that his own father banished him for talking out of turn. And the way that he like has all these rhetorical devices where he says, "My father, who challenged me, a thirteen-year-old boy, to an Agni Kai," and you see like a, a shot of Ozai and a shot of Zuko's face. I really thought that this was like really good, um, uh, like rhetorical devices from Zuko. I thought this was like a great confrontation. Uh, yeah. What, what were other people's thoughts here on this, uh, on this confrontation? Yeah, this was extremely powerful because it shows just how much Zuko has grown. Initially in season one, all he's doing is talking about his honor, his honor, his honor. And then in the beginning of this monologue, he says for so long that 
he what he he thought he wanted his honor but all he wanted was his father's love and acceptance and that to me was so powerful and it's like his father who banished him for talking out of turn to challenge him to it agni kai and then yeah i just thought this was extremely powerful stuff yeah i love this i thought this was the best part of the episode um mm-hmm. this monologue and in a way, it's the culmination of a long, long, long arc that Zuko has has had over the course of the show. In the arc that a lot of people thought, uh, including myself, I think on my first watch, that I thought this arc was going to be completed at the end of season two. But yeah. yeah, but then he chooses not to. And in a way, I like it better here because it's more um, symbolic that he's basically rebuking his father directly, you know, and standing up for himself directly. I thought that was very, very, you know, a, a very cool choice to make. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think it's good that he does end up uh, picking the path that he does in season two. So that he gets like exactly what he was longing for all of season one. And he sees like, Oh, I'm still not satisfied. Like it's sort of this like uh like treadmill of happiness that you're never able to like reach the, the final point on. And like, I, I really do. Like, I know I keep mentioning how he's on like a Billy Eilish journey, uh, but like, this really is like him saying like, this is like his everything I wanted song. Uh, and I feel like at the end of the episode, we get his, like my, my future moment where he's like looking off into what he's like looking to to do in the future. So can, can I confess that I have, I know, I mean, I know Billie Eilish is a musical artist and I know yes. Billie Eilish sang the song for um, no time to die, yep. but I have not listened to music as a like purposeful thing for like five years because I switched to all podcasts all the time rather mm. than any music. And yeah. I just recently have had the time to get to dip my toe back into music. And so I need to listen to some Billie Eilish. I bought Spotify for the first time. I'm very excited about all this, but I don't, I have no clue who Billie Eilish is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he or she is, is she, it's a she. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, have no, yeah I have no clue who she is. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm quite, uh, into Billy. I think she's like quite good. Her like sophomore album is like, just, I, I think really great. So, uh, yeah, if you do end up listening to it, let me know. I yeah. think uh, I'll take all, that, I'll take all recommendations, by the way, if you want to hit me, hit me up later with any, cause I like, I have whatever songs came out in the last five to six years that you really like. I probably have only heard them when I'm in a Walmart or shopping or something. And there's just the radio on. Wow. Yeah. You just stayed away from like all music entirely. It's not that I didn't like music. I love music, but I, I just, I only ever listened to music when I was in commuting or walking around mm-hmm. or like when I'm studying and whatnot, I play whatever ambient noise on YouTube, like stress relief music and whatnot. Yeah. So I just switched to listening to podcasts whenever, whenever I was walking around or commuting or driving in my car on an airplane or whatever. And I always, because of, you know, the hardworking, uh, individuals here at Post Show Recaps, and Rob has a podcast and Econ Talk and other podcasts I love. Uh, you should check out Econ Talk, by the way. I, I freaking love Econ Talk. Um, I always had podcasts to listen to, so I just never listened to music. But now I have, I, I just made a conscious choice that I need music back in my life. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm trying to catch up on the last five to six years. All right. Well, uh, like I'm sure that there are people that have already written down lists, but I, I can go through and I can, I can find like some of the, the like, top songs that you might have missed in the past five or six years yeah yeah please please send them my way i'm well i i as i said i bought i got a spotify account for the first time and i'm like very excited about this nice zach what would be your uh number one recommendation from the last like six years of all music 
that's tough because I'm kind of in the same boat as Daniel. I mean, I have a Spotify account, but it's just been collecting dust because I mostly just listen to podcasts as of wow. Yeah, so I haven't been listening to much music. In fact, I've been meaning to listen to that Billie Eilish album, but I just never got around to it. I should download yeah. it right now. And yeah. not to not to veer into like some serious territory or whatnot, but I actually think people should listen to music on a regular basis. If you're only if you're doing the Daniel Strunk method and only listening <laughs> to podcasts, don't do that because I think the human soul, to a certain extent, it needs to be fed some music every once in a while. I think it, it just makes you feel better um to consume some music so i i highly recommend having an adequate diet whatever the food groups of audio content there are you know one of the food groups has to a well-balanced <laughs> audio yeah. content diet has to have podcasts and music in it yeah, yeah no that that is uh that's probably fair also some nothing i feel like that's like the thing that yes. i was missing was like not listening to anything for some time because like yeah. i would go from like listening to music to listening to podcasts to like talking to people and i would never not just like not listen to something. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's like I, wild. Yeah. I had that too for a bit. And it's, I, I think that's not good. You need to be alone with your own thoughts for a little, like I, I at one yeah. point was listening to podcasts while I was like brushing my teeth. And I, and after a while I'm like, you know, no, I don't, I, I love Josh Wiggler and I love, you know, Akiba Wieneker. But when I'm brushing my teeth, I should have at least some time where I'm just <laughs> with my own thoughts. I can't hide from my own thoughts for like every second of the day. And in yeah. fact, some of the best thoughts you have will probably be when you're just not listening to anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And like, so yesterday I like uh, went to dinner and I went out uh, like by myself, uh, like didn't listen to music or anything, just like sat and like took things in. And I would mm-hmm. say like, I really enjoyed just like listening to other people's conversations. Uh, yeah. Like one person was talking about how she just learned she shouldn't sneeze into her hand. She should sneeze into her elbow. I was like shocked because she's like years behind. Yeah, I have a very embarrassing sneeze story, but that's for another day. (laughs) (laughs) An embarrassing sneeze story. No, no, no. I I truly cannot talk about that. That is that is for another day. That's for another day. Okay. Wow. Uh, All right. Too embarrassing the story to uh, to share here. But yeah, I I just thought that it was like so lovely to be able to like listen to other people and like you know the the sneeze things like what stuck with me. But it was just like nice to just be like around people, but not like doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Zuko has like, now he goes on like a full critique of the Fire Nation, uh, civilization. Uh, and here, like, I really was like, dang, anti-imperialism, uh, is I really like hitting close to home. Yeah. Like- I, I, I love, I love this to make, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, Zuko was channeling something really, uh, real here, which is, uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions a lot of people have is that you can gain wealth through warfare. And I think normally, I I would venture to say that is almost never the case. The best way for a nation to gain wealth is to trade with other nations, to to veer back into economics. Um, There's something called democratic peace theory where democracies are way less likely to go to war with each other. There's also... I know I've listened to enough post-show recaps to know that like people don't like capitalism on here, but I'm a big fan of capitalism. There's something called <laughs> capitalist peace theory, where capitalist nations are significantly less likely to go to war with each other because they're trading with each other. They're interacting with each other through markets. And there's just way too much of a vested interest in maintaining the like e- economically beneficial relationship to go to war with each other, um, which could wreck that. And so... I love that Zuko's kind of giving it to the Fire Lord here by being like, you're just totally full of crap that you think you're mm-hmm. spreading 
whatever wisdom that the Fire Nation has. Because if, in truth, if the Fire Nation wanted to spread its wisdom, what they should do is send out envoys to all the nations that are you know peaceful envoys and say, hey, we've developed like this technology. It allows us to do this really cool stuff. Um, and we'd love to like trade with you or have diplomatic relations with you. And then everyone gets rich together because the Fire Nation is making steel and the Earth Nation is making like Earth-related products and the Water Nation, you know, division of labor and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love this. I just totally, totally love this. Yeah, I will say the like capitalist peace theory is at least true in the video game Civilization. Because uh, once you start trading with people and like you break your trade routes and you lose all your gold, it's like miserable. I don't know if anyone else has played that game, but like as soon as you said that, I was like, oh man, that happens to me every time in Civ. <laughs> uh, where I'm like too much of a warmonger and then my economy just like goes to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, there's something called the broken window fallacy, which underlies a lot of the, mm -hmm. um, the war is good for the economy rhetoric that you get where destruction is not good for the economy. If you break, if, if destruction is good for the economy, we should pay people to go and throw stones at windows so that window repairers <laughs> make money by repairing the windows. But that's just not how it works. It would be better if, the people who are, you know, throwing stones are instead um, engaging in like whatever helpful, productive work. And, the, and then the window repair guy can use his his or her glass not for the repairing of that window, but for another source. It's like destruction of resources doesn't lead to wealth. It's only combinations of resources that increase the overall productivity of a society. I'm getting on a bit of a soapbox. If you want to have me on later to go into a, <laughs> the ins and outs of my love of capitalism, feel free to do so. Uh, no, it's a, full, good. Uh, a full econ podcast. Yeah, I will say, yeah. I, I think you just ruined my idea, which was uh, how we can stimulate the economy next time we're in a recession, which is add another state so every place has to buy another flag. Like, <laughs> it would make the flag makers so rich. In fact, I don't understand why flag makers are not, like, the number one lobbyist for adding D.C. as a state. And then the next year, they should be the number one lobbyist adding Puerto Rico. Because, like, each new flag is, like, millions of flags. They're all over the place. So I can't, I, I totally agree. Uh, I can't disagree with your observation about flag makers not being lobbyists because they that makes sense. They're, it's in their interest to be um, a lobbyist for other other country or other states to enter so they can make new flags but no i, I totally disagree about the, the flag thing being good because if you think about it there's a so there's a finite amount of resources on the earth some of them can be used for flags if those resources are used for flags those resources won't be used for other things and then those other things could be really great and would really help people um yeah. so, it's, so the, the good thing about markets is it allocates the resources to the most beneficial use in a perfectly functioning market as we know we can get into the ins and outs of how a lot of markets aren't perfectly function functioning and whatnot. But yeah, what in that world, you just have a bunch of resources misallocated to flag production that should go to something else. And so you get you get the idea that like war is good because, well, no one is advocating that war is good. But a lot of people will say something like war is good because we can go over here and take these resources from these people. Um, and then there are resources and we can make you know flags or whatever with those resources. But really, everyone's better off if instead mm -hmm. of going and taking those resources, you just develop whatever is most beneficial for your like locality or nation or state to develop. And then you trade for that thing in the, in the other, um, in the other locality or other nation. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I've beaten the, beaten the drum a lot on this, but no. look at Frederick Bastiat in the, in the broken window fallacy people. It's re it's a really good anti-war uh, thing to read. 
Yeah, well, I, I think that you went on like an impassioned speech that like rivals Zuko's here, where he's like, uh, <laughs> going and telling Ozai all of the reasons why what he's doing is wrong. Uh, like it really did ring true to me, you know. Like in all of the U.S. history classes I've taken, like we are taught like, oh, like America is the greatest civilization in the world, like best civ in history, like we're we're so great. Uh, and like it really is like um, it's shocking how little uh, I also would like went to public uh, high school in Texas. So like that that is like a bit of background. Like it is shocking how little they teach people about the things that have gone wrong along the way. Uh, and it just like rung true as like, you know, Zuko's talking about like uh, we wanted to share like greatness with the rest of the world. But like people are terrified of us, like in the same way, like, uh, yeah, like all of these, you know, wars that were, uh, you know, brought about by people wanting to say like oh let's you know spread democracy share democracy like i I don't really think uh yeah they're they're quite effective also you don't come to ang in there for your uh for me to to rant about like wars that were bad but (laughs) yeah i i'm a i'm a i'm a very very passionate um fan of the united states constitution i do think it's the greatest action of political genius that's ever taken place on the on the planet so i I defend that very much but i agree that uh to quote hamilton it's a it's Mm -hmm. an unfinished symphony so maybe Mm -hmm. schools have in my in in the past emphasized too much of the symphony and not enough of the unfinished and a proper education should emphasize both but i do i do think the the constitution itself is a is a symphony it has its flaws it has its things but it's the liberal democratic process it instills that allows for the correction of it so any anyway, i've gone on another uh, another, <laughs> it's all another, uh, another tangent but i you know you you should but this all relates to avatar because you have a imperialist non-democratic non-capitalist nation that's basically authoritarian and so there is no constitutional mechanism to get rid of this guy who's clearly awful and in, in, imposing a ton of pain and suffering on the world um mm-hmm. so that's that's uh you're totally right Jacob, to comment on like um, the importance of recognizing like very negative aspects of uh, of the his- of history, and then also how that can um, be informed by really bad government structures. Yeah, Zach, how does this uh, hit your Canadian ears? Uh, with Canada, it's a little different because growing up, they taught us a lot about the Aboriginal folks and stuff. They didn't just teach us like, oh, Canada is the greatest country ever. So we had a little bit less propaganda than you probably had growing up in Texas, I feel like. That's good. Solid. That's probably how it should be. Um, anyway, yeah. So then, uh, like Zuko ends his speech by saying that they need to, uh, they need to not destroy the world. Uh, they need to replace this with an era of peace and kindness. Uh, and like Ozai sort of tries to mock Zuko saying like, Oh, your uncle's gotten to you. And Zuko, like, I, I like how he like takes this as a compliment. He like smiles and he says, yes, he has. I think Uncle Iroh would be so proud to see this moment. Um, yeah, I really think that this would be like one of the moments where Uncle Iroh is just like probably in tears, like seeing the the progression that, that Zuko had. So I thought yeah. that was quite cool. For for the Potter fans out there, this reminded me of where Rufus Scrimgeour is trying to get Harry Potter to like tattle on something. I can't remember what. And then he says, you're, I see you're still Dumbledore's man through and through. And Harry's like, yeah, I am. I, that's mm-hmm. that's what this and I love that moment in, that, in the book. And I love the, the moment here that Zuko has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the last bit that we get right now with, uh, Zuko and, uh, Ozai. We shift to Team Avatar fighting Azula and the Dai Li agents. And I have to say, Azula's firebending is super exciting, but her evasion skills are very dynamic. It makes the fight quite interesting to see, uh, because we have, like, 
essentially the Dai Li agent is trying to play puppy guard and keep like everyone away from Azula because she can't bend. Uh, and Azula is doing like flip. She's doing like, uh, you know, special moves to get away. I really thought this was a very engaging fight considering the fact that the most exciting bender isn't even bending. Zach, did you appreciate this fight as much as I did? I appreciated it, but I had one issue. Aang says he can't pin her down because she's too quick. But we've seen Aang run so fast that he could sprint along water. <laughs> we've seen him do like the Looney Tunes like road runner in the, I think it was the storm or something where it's like those two Fire Nation guards had an outpost and he just like sprinted past them so fast they could mm-hmm. barely see him. So how is Aang not able to pin down Azula who's just like seemingly sprinting as fast as like a, a human, like not superhuman speeds i don't know i feel like ang should be able to pin her down you know what i mean that's fair yeah because like yeah he's not even really using air that often like he's definitely not even trying to catch her like i think the closest that they come to actually uh like getting her uh before like she like while they're still in this room is when toff sends the like air or sorry the earth like pillar at her and then she like has to backflip away from it um but yeah you do make a good point like it is surprising that he says that he can't uh, catch up with her. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just found that a I little I still like the fight. I still like it. I'm, maybe, I'm maybe he's just tired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> his, like, green bar, I don't know, is, like, too low. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah. Fair. That's fair. His stamina is too low. He needs, like, a replacement to come in and give yeah. him a break. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I still like the fight, too. I like Azula flipping all over the place. I like how she gets launched into a hole that Sokka's in, and then we see, like, this really cool slow-mo shot of Azula flying over Sokka and, like, gleefully smiling. So that was a very impressive shot by the animators there. Yeah, that that was a cool shot when he's, like, bending back and she's, like, jumping right over him. Um, Although, if he would have just, like, stood up more straight, they would have knocked into each other, and then, like, he would have been helpful in the fight, because Sokka really does not do much in this fight. He's, like, he's trying, but by the time he gets where they are, they have already moved away, and they're already doing something else. So he's just, uh, yeah, not very effective here. Um, But, yeah, so then, like, she gets out of this, uh, she gets out of this room that they're in, uh, and, like, they start, like, running away. Um, Yeah, I thought that this was, like, was cool. I, I was a little bit surprised that the Dai Li agents were able to get like captured so easily. Like the only way they were able to be incapacitated is being in like, a very specific part where the metal can be put around them. Th- they should have just avoided the like two square feet that would have gotten them trapped. Like I was surprised that they did end up uh, getting trapped here. Yeah, that's fair, but maybe they didn't know Toph could metal bend. So that that's fair. Yeah, I guess yeah. there's no reason to know that. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so he, they, they get stuck in the metal beam, which is, uh, useful because they have to, like, confront Azula by themselves. So once they've gotten rid of the Dai Li agents, uh, then Sokka is able to, uh, is, is able to say, like, hey, uh, like, hold on a second. I think this is part of the plan. Uh, he says, like, don't you see what she's doing? She's playing us. She's not even trying to win the fight. And Azula says, not true, I'm giving it my all. (laughs) Uh, Again, just hilarious lines from Azula here. Uh, And then, I will say, Azula's clearly evil, but she certainly is not ableist, uh, because she is able, uh, like, she rolls her eyes at a a statement that Toph says, and then she says, and since you can't see, I should tell you I'm rolling my eyes. And I appreciated that she, like, clued in the people with, uh, <laughs> with uh, like, different abilities. and was able to, as, like, I thought that was her being rather mean. but <laughs> I feel like she was digging in on top. But I, I like that read better. It's a, it's a kinder read. 
Yeah, I think it's great to read Azula as the person who's like totally evil, but like will not stand up for disabled hate. Okay, I like that. I support that as well. Oh, that's All right, new canon. Um, perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad that I could convince you about that one. Uh, and then, yeah, Toff's. Maybe this actually was rude because Toff's statement, uh, like Azul says, I uh, I'm rolling my eyes. Toff says, "I'll roll your whole head," which is like <laughs> it's really aggressive. Yeah, that's out of the HBO show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like. And also, the, the use of the word whole, like, makes it even scarier. Like, I'll roll your whole head. Like, why do you even have to specify a whole head? Like, <laughs> yeah, I love this line from Toph. I don't know why. It just cracked me up. I'll roll your yeah. whole head. I don't know maybe, the, maybe the next step in earthbending is that there's whatever minerals are in the dirt, that there's enough of them in a human. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be. That'd be terrifying. I mean, yeah. I actually have thought like, oh, could you air bend the air out of someone's lungs and like yeah. control them like towards you? Like, yeah. could I like yeah. pull someone like just in the air yeah. that, in their lungs? Yeah, not to not to get too grisly, but one of the things I was wondering the other day is if a person sw- uh, swallowed some. <laughs> not to open up this debate again. <laughs> if a person swallowed some bottled water. And then Katara <laughs> like freezes the freezes the water <laughs> while they're drinking it. And they choke on the water. Is that death by bottled water, or is that just death by water? <laughs> Not to open open up the post show recaps uh, in their debate moments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think the important question is: Did they drink bottled water out of the bottle, or do they pour it in a glass first? Because yeah, then, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, right. that's what you're it comes right. down to. Yeah, you're right. That's you're hilarious. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's death by water. I think at that point, it doesn't matter whether it's bottled or not. Yeah, I, I don't think. I don't think any coordinator is like, uh, okay, but hold on. Was this like Evian, Fiji? Like, tell me what we're working with here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. That's, that's so funny, though. I had like mostly forgotten about this. Um, like, th- this was like an era of my life where it was like very important to me. And it's since moved on. But not I had a similar on. era where a friend and I debated constantly whether scuba diving was a sport or not. I won't let you know what side I... I, I took in that, but that was like one of the debates of my middle school era. <laughs> well, um, how would it be a sport? Like, okay, I, I'm, I'll, I guess I have to reveal. I'm like, I totally, I think it's a wonderful hobby that's very, you know, rigorous and can be difficult. But I, I never really thought it was a sport. But uh, I won't name him. But I had, a, I had a friend in middle school who, like, we. This is one of those. I don't know if people remember like bizarre debates or fights they might have had with friends in middle school that almost end a friendship. Um, and you look back and you're like, that is the dumbest thing to almost end a friendship. Yep. It's almost ended our friendship. The debate about wow. uh, school diving being a sport or not. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> I would have assumed you were all- Oh, sorry, Jacob. Sorry. Sorry, Zach. No, what were you saying, Jacob? Oh, I was asking is if scuba, di- scuba diving was competitive. Like, I didn't think that there's any sort of, like, winning in scuba diving. Yeah, I didn't think so. And that was my main argument. But he, he okay. seemed to take a different definition of sport. <laughs> yeah. Zach, what were you saying? Uh, I forget. It's all good. No. <laughs> all right. Sorry. Um, yeah. So then, like, uh, they're back, uh, like, talking. And they're uh, saying, like, or Sok is the main proponent saying, like, look, like, we get what she's doing. She's just trying to, uh, she's just trying to, like, distract us or whatever. Um, everyone like is like, cool. Okay. It's time to leave. And then Azula like really plants her seeds. Sokka's is like, okay, ignore her. Don't listen. Uh, and Azula says, my favorite prisoner used to mention you all the time. 
And that really catches Sokka's ears. Sokka then uh, is like really determined uh, to like, you know, find out information here. Uh, and Sokka totally drops the idea to ignore her. Uh, this was like cruel by Azula. I thought this was like quite, quite effective, uh, but quite mean. Uh, cause he, she like digs the knife in and, and twists it as she says, like, she was convinced you were going to rescue her. Of course, you never came and she gave up on you. And that causes Sokka to like, uh, cry and then like attack her in like an angry outburst. Yeah, there's very sinister stuff from Azula here. Like, men, she basically baits him into this. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This reminded me of, um, Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader is saying like, oh, you have a sister or what, whatever the, and then Luke mm-hmm. comes out with his lightsaber and goes, goes ham. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I, I think it was very much channeling that. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, liked it quite a bit. Uh, but then Sokka, like, you know, grabs her and says like, where is Suki? I thought it would have been hilarious if he like forgot that it was Suki that he was obsessed with and went back to UA. Cause like he really is obsessed with UA like quite a bit. Uh, I know she's not a prisoner uh, as the moon spirit, but there was like a chance that in his rage, he would have had that, uh, that verbal miscue uh, being so obsessed with her and all. Um, anyway, we get, uh, we go back to Zuko and Ozai. Uh, Zuko is saying like, I'm going to go free uncle Iroh. I'm going to beg for uh, his forgiveness. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, join the avatar and help him defeat you. Now I didn't really, uh, like understand Ozai's response here, uh, where he's saying like, I'm powerless. So like, just take me out right now. Like, I don't get how that makes sense from Ozai's perspective, but maybe I'm missing something. Hmm. I think maybe he's trying to bait Zuko into attacking him and he actually thinks he could beat him in a one-on-one fight. I'm not sure. Even with the swords, like being an advantage over, uh, like no firebending. Maybe he's just that confident. I don't know. Cool. Or just crazy. I, I, but <laughs> there's no evidence in the previous episodes that he's crazy. He's always portrayed as like a very rational, um, uh, smart person. So I don't, I don't, I have no idea what he's going for here. Maybe he just thinks Zugo won't do it. So he's calling his bluff. Mm, yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because like he does, he does like try to like get in his skin as well. He's like says like, you're a coward. Uh, you're only brave enough to face me during the eclipse. If you have real courage, You'll wait until the sun comes out. Uh, and then he really drops the like big ball here where he says, like, don't you want to know what happened to your mother? Which again, like similar to how Sokka uh, is like ultimately a, a, a victim to like finding information about Suki. Zuko here is like very eager to hear about uh, what happened to his mom. I thought this was like great drama here. Ozai reveals uh, that Fire Lord Azulon had said that uh, he needed uh to get rid of his own son. Uh, I think he says, do the unthinkable, but clearly like kill his own son as punishment for what he had said. Uh, and then we find out that the mom found out and said, I would protect uh, Zuko at any costs. And so she proposed a plan to give Ozai the throne. Uh, they keep it pretty vague here. Um, but I did think that this was like quite good to get this reveal from Ozai. Uh, what were other thoughts here on this, uh, on this reveal from Ozai? Um, Danny, you want to take it while I collect yeah. my thoughts? <laughs> um, I I really enjoyed it. It reminded me of I read once. Zach might might know more about this, having read the comics and stuff. But I heard once that um, if there had been a season four of Avatar, it was going to focus on this. 
And it seemed to me like they were planting that seed here. And it makes me sad for what could have been, what the, what the fourth season could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I very much agree. Like, I think they end up instead tackling it in the comics instead, but I do think like a season four here where they like build, uh, like what ends up being Republic city, um, and like find this drama would have been great. Um, yeah. Republic city, by the way, is what happens when you trade with each other. That's the <laughs> massive, the massive <laughs> jump in wealth and technology that occurred. It's actually, sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's fair. I mean, they, they make a great city of all the different. No, all, yeah. Well, technology and inclusion. We have an unbelievably, like it always was bizarre to me that the, the different nations are so like, not, um, yeah, it's they're they're just it's very it's it's really uh, pretty bad, and I think part of, I think that that's underlied by the fact that they're not trading with each other. I think if there were more cross nation relations, there would be more um, acceptance and probably immigration between the different countries, and then and that's what you get when you uh, we jump forward in time and we have like the the bounty in uh, capital city. Well, there you go. Uh, there's lots of critiques on capitalism in Cora, though. So, uh, oh yeah, that is. True. Maybe you should have me back. I'll come back on for. You, you guys have to do a Legend of Cora watch. I'm sure you're going to. But we I, might. There's people who've been asking for it. We'll oh, well, add me to the list. I would love for you two to do a Legend of Cora rewatch. That that would be great. Uh, yeah, we we definitely should do it. And uh, yeah, I think we, we can have you on for like one of the episodes where they like really dive into all the like capitalism of it. All yeah, I'd love to. I, I would love that. I would love that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we go back, uh, we get a quick scene between Sokka and, uh, Azula as he's trying to interrogate. Sokka's trying to get information out of her. Azula's just, you know, not doing anything. Uh, she knows that if she can bide her time, she's going to get, uh, what she wants, which is to, uh, escape here. So she just has to stay quiet. Meanwhile, Ozai saying like, uh, for everything that she did, uh, or everything that, uh, Zuko's mom did, she knew that she had to get banished. Um, and he, then he says, like, uh, banishment's too merciful a penalty for treason. Your penalty will be far steeper. Uh, we see, like, this gigantic lightning burst, uh, like, come out of Ozai, firing at Zuko. Zuko's, like, thrown back multiple feet, uh, but is able to redirect it. It's cool here that we see the redirection, because this was, like, set up so long ago, uh, with, uh, Uncle Iroh saying, like, hey, here's how you redirect lightning. Hopefully you never have to use it. Here it comes, ending up saving his life. So I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, yeah, we get the call back cool. to like bitter work when he was learning yeah. how to lightning bend. And yeah, this yeah. was quite, this was epic, honestly. Just lightning in animation always looks cool, I feel like, no mm-hmm. matter what mm-hmm. the show is. And Zuko being able to redirect it with the exact form that he learned in the other episode is really yeah. incredible. Yeah, I love this because it... Um, it's it is a callback and it's a it's a symbol like he rhetorically rebuked his father but now he's rebuking him with his actual skill in bending mm-hmm. which is i think very and ties into the fact that he has this relationship with Iroh who taught him how to um do this um yeah. so i love this i love this yeah cuz Ozai didn't know that he could like redirect no. it like Ozai thought this was like going to be a killing blow which is yeah. just shows how brutal Ozai is i yeah. mean He's literally yeah. about to kill his own son right in front of him. I have a I have a question though, and maybe a hot take on lightning bending. So, yeah. my hot take is I think lightning bending is the worst of the specialty bendings because it, I think it adds the least to the skill set. And I the the argument I give for this is fire bending is designed. Uh, fire bending will kill you if you use it offensively. You're like killing. You know, fire is bad. It will harm you. Mm-hmm. Um, and lightning does the exact same thing. But 
how much more damaging is lightning than fire? Probably they're pro- like if you get hit by fire, you're probably going to die. If you get hit by lightning, you're probably going to die. So what's the value add of lightning bending? And I'm guessing it is that the lightning goes faster, so it's harder to dodge. Yes. And then also it might just be a symbolic thing where if you can lightning bend, it it signals that you're super badass at bending. <laughs> and, uh, so it's more of like a signaling device than it is an actual um, the lightning itself going to kill you. Yeah, it, yeah. it probably it probably is like uh, largely a signaling device. I think you make a good point, Zach. What were you saying? Yeah, and also to add on to that, it's just hard, very hard to defend against. I feel like whereas the average firebender with their fire, it's easier to defend against. When you're someone shooting like a super quick lightning bolt at you, there's not much you can do other than redirect it, pretty much. Yeah, it also seems to cause explosions, which like I, it's not really even how like lightning works, but like it does end up causing a lot of explosions. So like you do have kind of like some splash damage as well, uh, which is like effective. So there's that as well. Um, yeah. So anyway, after we see that, uh, we have Azula say, Oh, sounds like the fire bending's back on almost <laughs> like it's a breaker that someone needed to switch in the basement. Uh, and she's able to like kick in a, in a like large sweeping motion that, uh, takes Sokka back. Uh, then she does some backflips to get out of the way, uses fire bending to get out. Uh, and she just gets out of there. Uh, very impressive. Uh, then she tells where, uh, her dad, uh, Fire Lord Ozai is. Uh, and then she says, like, almost like she's a secretary letting someone in. Uh, he's like down the hall and on the left. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to see you now. As if it's like <laughs> a, a doctor that you were waiting for. <laughs> um, anyway, they all like get mad at each other that they've like waited too long. Um, then Aang is like still determined. He still wants to face the Fire Lord, but Sokka realizes that it's not a good idea. Uh, the Fire Lord, uh, knew they were coming and that they had surprise, but now they don't have it. I don't understand what the difference is now between 18 minutes ago where they also didn't have surprise. Um, uh, but not having the eclipse is like definitely a no go for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we get back to the rest of the invasion force. Bato and Hakoda are talking. Uh, they're saying like, okay, like it's gonna, it's gonna get bad soon. Uh, and then they see something, uh, pretty remarkable. They see some of these balloons, which we had seen before, but we also see like some legitimate like war blimps. Uh, and these blimps are like taking the sky. There's like tons of them. Uh, and the mechanist realizes that like it's his own invention. He gets really upset about uh, realizing that he's like essentially the own hands to his own downfall. Yeah, the music was really badass here. We had like the trumpets mm-hmm. and all. It was really epic. Like dun dun dun. It was badass. I thought. Yeah, yeah, really good music cue. I totally agree. And Zach, you totally nailed it. (laughs) There's no way I could have done it as well. I I, I didn't do it great either, but thank you. (laughs) Yeah. um, No, I I thought that was good. I was going to actually ask you to do it again, uh, but uh, I'll I'll just uh, listen to it back. Uh, Yeah. Good, good, uh, good job there. You could have done the mouth trumpet. I know that's like one of Rob's favorite moves. I'm too tone deaf to do the mouth trumpet. Shout out Rob, because I cannot do that crap. Yeah, uh, it is pretty impressive. Um, anyway, so while, uh, the actual, like, music's going on in the background, we get, uh, the, like, this entire, I guess, uh, you know, landscape of the balloons, uh, as Appa comes on, uh, like, carrying along with him, Toph, Aang, and Sokka. Um, then they all, like, start to realize, like, oh, uh, this is, like, quite bad. 
uh, Aang says, like, I've got, uh, they have air power, but so do I. So he's going to try to go take them down. He ends up taking down some of the, like, basic blimps, uh, or the balloons, and Katara goes with him and takes one down themselves. I really think that he was missing the point here. Like, those were, like, those were nothing compared to, like, the war machine that they had before. I'm surprised he even targeted the, like, small little balloon that has one person in it. I have a question. Did the people commandeering these balloons die? Because they just, like, crash land into the mountains. I feel like it's kind of like the Superman thing, where, like, Superman always kills random civilians, but in this case, (laughs) Aang might have just killed a random Fire Nation member here. And Katara, too. Yes. They're dead. There's no chance they're not dead. I'd I'd be curious if any listener out there has has done, like, a kill count. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, Aang is a pacifist, but it is bizarrely... uh, it's it, it, there. People definitely died in this episode. Yeah. Yes. This episode and, in particular, for sure. And there are a few others where like they throw people into water when I'm not sure they can swim. Like those people probably also are dying, but this one's like one of the worst ways. Cause like these people are falling from like hundreds of feet in the air. Like there's no chance they're surviving that. Uh, so that sucks for them. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, they, after they take down these war balloons, they realize like, okay, we're not going to be able to take all of them down. So let's go back. Um, they, they go back, uh, and join the rest of them. Uh, meanwhile, we see Zuko. Zuko's trying to go find Uncle Iroh, breaking him out of prison, as he said he was going to do to Ozai. As he starts going in, it does, it like immediately seems like something's already happened here. Uh, as he's walking through the like hallway, there's like, uh, one of the guards is like, cowering in fear in the corner uh the warden's like been taken out um and zuko goes up and asks like what happened here and uh we hear that uncle iroh has been a one-man army uh, as he's broken himself out uh this is a great this is a great scene that we get uh not in this episode but in the future uh where we see like what happened here yeah, and it's crazy how, like, the jail cell bars are all bent up out of shape. So I wonder, did he, like, firebend his way out, or was he so swollen yoked? Was he able to just bend the bars <laughs> with his bare hands? I, I don't remember the specifics, but I, I think he breaks out after the eclipse. So I think he must just be that swole. Damn. I don't remember either, but now that you guys have reminded me of this, I can't wait to watch yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, like what it is. Uh, we'll get the verdict back for you uh, next time, but uh, yeah, definitely exciting uh, to see that. And then uh, this like stays unresolved in that storyline uh, for the rest of the episode, uh, like with where Uncle Iroh is. Uh, we then go back to the rest of the invasion force. The uh, we see that there's like a bunch of these explosives that they have. Uh, they're about to like be bombarded. Uh, and luckily they have earthbending here, which is extremely effective because they're able to create these like uh, gigantic shells over their head uh, that like stops the explosion from going on. Um, they realize though, that the, the war machine blimps are not actually trying to attack them. They're actually going on uh, even further than where they are. They're going to the beach to destroy the submarines. Now, I don't know who came up with this. I kind of assume Azula just based on the fact that it's smart, uh, but this is a great idea to do this. I was very impressed. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, it's genius. Honestly, destroy the method of escape, and they're screwed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so then, like, uh, 
Sokka now, uh, who wasn't wanting to fight a few minutes ago, now says, time to fight. We have the Avatar. We can win. Real flip-flopper here from Sokka. <laughs> True. <laughs> but again, they can't really win anything, because best-case scenarios, they just are trapped in the city in the middle of the Fire Nation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like the Even the wind condition is like not that yeah. clear of a win. Yeah. So you know you've gone wrong when the wind condition's bad. Um, anyway, so then like Hakoda says, no, like we need to get all the kids to leave. We're going to, uh, we're going to like get captured and Appa will uh, get all the kids away. Um, everyone's like really surprised uh, at this uh, Katara, especially, but then Hakoda like explains that no, like everyone needs to go find somewhere safe. Like we're going to keep hope alive by keeping the avatar alive. Uh, so then they're going to get the kids to go on Appa. The adults will surrender. Uh, do you think they made the right choice? This is kind of another choose your own adventure moment to to do this, like uh, to to go away rather than having Aang like stay and fight with them. Yeah, I think like what Daniel said earlier, knowing that they're not going to die and that they're going that they're going to be put into prison. This in this moment is the correct decision to make. I think. Yeah, yeah I I totally agree with Zach. I think he's spot on. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that uh, that rings true with me as well. Uh, we then see like the swamp benders try to use water bending to deflect the bombs. They actually do a pretty good job. I was pretty impressed with the amount of bombs that they did destroy, but ultimately it was just too many. Uh, the swamp monster end up, ends up grabbing one of the bombs and it explodes like the entire thing. So that seaweed just like goes everywhere. Uh, and yeah, the, the, uh, the submarines will indeed be destroyed. Um, we see everyone else get onto the boat uh, we see, uh, like, the Mechanist son, Teo, get on. Um, we see the Duke get on. We see Haru get on. I gotta say, I've seen the show many times. I was today years old when I was, like, re-watching the episode, uh, like, again today, where I realized that Pipsqueak is not a child. Yeah, I don't know same. why. I- oh, great. No, same. I thought the same thing. I was like, how come Pipsqueak has to go to prison? He's a kid, too. I have that in my notes. I thought he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, but when like when you look at his, he's clearly not a kid. Like, he, like, as soon as I, like, realized, I was like, oh, he's an adult. Like, that's the reason why he's staying around. I, like, looked at his face, and I was like, oh, he's, like, not a kid at all. I don't know why I just assumed he was a kid. I don't know. I was hoping he was a kid. I didn't want my boy Pipsqueak going to prison, but alas, that's where he has to go. <laughs> Can I just say, as a as a listener of this podcast, uh, Zach's impressions of Pipsqueak is like one of my favorite parts. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Why, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Pipsqueak is here. I just like my lychee nuts and uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, it does kind of call into question why Pipsqueak's hanging out with a bunch of kids. Like it does, it's not really yeah. clear to me why Pipsqueak does hang out with like uh, you know Jet and the rest of the crew um, earlier, but yeah. clearly not a yeah. kid. And sadly, Pipsqueak is going to uh, it's going to yeah. Prison. There's a lot of things that you just can't think about too hard when it comes to the age of the people on the show. Like if you really think about yeah. Aang being 12 and killing people, it gets a bit gnarly. So it's best to just not, not even think about that. True. true. That's, yeah. that's very true. Um, anyway, they like uh, are all about to leave. Hakoda gives like a, a, a speech where he says like, we tasted victory and that counts for something. I think it counts as a loss. I'm not actually sure that they should oh. be that proud of this. <gasps> Damn. <laughs> just trying to be optimistic, I guess. And, an account for a, for a failure. You can uh, rewrite history maybe and make yourself feel better about things. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's good that they're going to be hopeful because ultimately they are going to be in prison for a bit. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure that this was a win for them. But whatever, the history is written by the winners, and they end up winning in the end. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Aang is like clearly emotional as he's leaving. Uh, he's not very happy uh, at the current moment, but he says like he's going to make it up to all of them. Uh, then he takes off on Appa. Uh, they're ending. Uh, they're going to the Western Air Temple. Uh, we see for a second, like, Azula uh, has one of the soldiers um, on a Fire Nation airship say, like, should we follow them? And Azula says, no, they're too fast. Uh, these blimps must be very slow, because I thought we said that, like, Appa's not actually that quick. So I'm surprised that they weren't able to keep up. And I'm even more surprised, we see Zuko in a second, as he's, like, following behind them on one of the smaller balloons. I'm surprised Zuko is able to find them if, uh, if like, the other blimp is too slow. The war balloon's got to be way too slow. I thought you figured out the opposite and that Oppo was quicker than you realized when you were doing all your calculations in the early episodes. Am I crazy? Um, I, I think I calculated that the, the town was small. Or, oh, sorry, the, the okay. earth was really small and that Oppo's like not that quick. Oh, okay, okay. Fair, fair, fair. But yeah, you're right. I don't know how Zuko's able to find them. You'd think Oppo would be faster than this little blimp and he'd fly out of sight. I thought mm-hmm. that too. Yeah, well... They're, uh, they're able to, uh, or Zuko's able to find them, uh, anyway. But there you go. That's, uh, that's the end of the episode. Uh, quite the, like, place to leave it off with Zuko going off, uh, to hunt Aang down, or not hunt him down this time. Um, and yeah, like the whole plan turned on its head. Uh, quite a lot to unpack in this episode and quite the episode indeed. Yeah. Um, can I ask, do either of you listen to the end credits music? Because I think it's uh, this. Uh, I I haven't listened to music in six years. Well, I have, but not purposefully. <laughs> but yeah. I picked up. I I know enough to having listened to Renap to know the phrase "bop," and the end credits <laughs> is totally a bop. It is great. I love listening to the end credits every time I I watch Avatar: The Last Airbender. And the worst part about this episode might be that because they smushed it together on Netflix, you don't get two bops of the of the end credits music. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Maybe it. Maybe at the end of last week, you should have just scrubbed to the end, listened to the end credits, and then went back to this week again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I think that's I think that's fair. Like uh, the the song like is quite a bop. Uh, it is like very good. <laughs> it's it's exciting. Um, but then like I, so I watch it on Netflix, as I'm sure most people do. Um, but like yeah, it just so quickly it goes to the new episode that I I'm never like. I'm never clicking it fast enough to listen yeah. to the whole thing. Oh, I, it's hate, just going I hate that. I find that to be unbelievably manipulative. If Netflix wants you to watch the next episode, it needs to make sure its content's good enough that you choose the next episode. It can't, it's, it's like trying to trick you into watching more Netflix. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, from their perspective, like they can get more clicks, more watches. Yeah. Like, exactly. Makes sense from them. But yeah, I agree. It's probably not best for everyone's collective mental health, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, that's the episode. Quite a lot that we had to get through. Uh, just like so much stuff happens in the day of Black Sun. Obviously, it's the same length, but I just feel like there's so much more stuff this week as compared to last week, Zach. Uh, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I do. I think what I really loved about this episode is the confrontation between Zuko and Ozai. I think that's really mm-hmm. like the crux of the episode, but also the confrontation between Azula and Sokka, Katara, no, Sokka, Toph, and Aang. That was also a great part of the episode as well. Like her lying, Azula's classic little one-liners that she has all over the place. So overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. This was a fantastic episode of Avatar, I thought. Yeah, uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on the episode as a whole? Um, I agree. I, I enjoyed this one much more than the previous uh, part one, although I have, haven't yet watched 
the whole thing through. Maybe I'll go back and do that if I have time. Um, but the set, the second half is definitely better. And I totally agree with Zach that the best part of the episode is, um, Zuko's confrontation with his father. I think that yeah. is like, I would put that on a, I think that's one of the better moments of the show, actually. But that might just because I'm, I'm a sucker for the closing of moral arcs and people standing up for themselves and, and things of that nature. No, I, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I very much agree. I think that it is like one of the better moments. I think maybe like, uh, the fight, one of the fights that we get in the finale might be better, uh, like of a moment, um, between Zuko and Azula. But yeah, I do think that this is like one of the top moments, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, people, people listening to the episode or watching the episode and giving us feedback were also quite high on it. Uh, maybe we can jump into the, uh, to the rankings here. So every week we give a ranking between zero and four cabbages. We take my ranking, Zach rank. Zach's ranking, uh, the listeners ranking and the guest ranking to get the official ang in there score. Uh, we can start off with the listeners this week, a 3.82 from the listeners. Wow. One of the higher rankings that I think we've gotten, um, like from the listeners. So quite, quite a high, uh, quite a high watermark. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe Zach, do you want to go next with your ranking? Yeah, I'm right there with the listeners. I'm going to give this episode a 3.8 out of 4. The only reason I'm not giving it a full 4 is because there's not like an amazing fight in this episode necessarily. The fight between Azula and the gang is good, but it's not great. So for that reason, I'm giving it a 3.8, but still extremely high score for a great episode. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, what about yourself? I'm, I'm close to Zach and close to the listeners, but just a little bit shyer. I gave it a 3.75. Um, and for similar, for reasons very similar to what Zach said. And I'd, I'd add that there wasn't as much, um, I'm sorry if you could hear that upstairs. That's fine. Um, I'm sorry. I, I think there wasn't any humor, if I recall, in the episode, which Jacob, you pointed out on the last episode that that's a fundamental part. Although I think some of the episodes I've given force to have, have very little home humor as well. So maybe I'm being inconsistent. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I'd say 3.75. Yeah, I think that uh, Azula has a lot of like little quips that I found very funny. Uh, but yeah, there's not like the like jokes that I'm like laughing about uh, for ages. There's no Aunt Who, Aunt Wu uh, <laughs> that, that I've been laughing about to this day. Uh, I still really like the episode. I'm going to be the highest out of everyone. You know what? A 3.9 from me. Uh, I just think that like it does such a good um such a good job of like wrapping up mini storylines, setting up the rest of the season, and like getting us on the path for what is going to be a great finale. And I think like this as a mid season finale is like hard to do much better. Uh it ends up that we didn't even need to listen to any of us. Uh the Ang in there score is the same as the listener score at three point eight two. Oh wow. Look at that. What a wow. coincidence. There you go. We don't even need us, Zach. Uh, we're, just, <laughs> we're just extra. Um, anyway, that is the uh, episode ranking. What about the battle? Zach, we're two hours into the podcast. Are we going to rank the battles this week? Yeah, let's do it up. Okay. I'm going to give All this right. battle a three out of four. It's solid. There's some moments like Azula jumping over Sokka was a great moment in the battle. But overall, not the best battle in the series. So three out of four from me. What about you guys? Are we, we're talking the battle between Azula and the gang, or are we talking the battle between, like the, the war battle? I think yeah, Azula, I, the Daily Agents, and the gang. That's okay. what Yeah. About. Yeah. Cause the, the war battle is really just a continuation from last week. I'm, I'm fine to, uh, to not re-rank that one. I think, yeah, Azula versus, uh, Team Avatar. Okay. Um, I historically have not given a, a ranking of the battle, but I'll, I'll break that, um, that, uh, novice uh 
uh, I'll give it a three out of four. Is okay. that what Zach? Is that what you gave it? Yeah, yeah, I gave oh, it. Wow. A three okay, four. you just primed me. You psychologically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, effective. Uh, yeah. I think yeah. I think it's a B uh, a B uh, battle. So I'm going to give it a three point two, just just a touch higher. Um, yeah, ultimately, Zach, like. Uh, it is cool to see like uh, the like evasion, but I think a lot of what you say is right. Uh, I think the biggest like wow moment from this battle is when the daily agents appear and the yes. earth bending yeah. breaks. Um, so that moment alone is like quite exciting. But uh, that's going to be a three point zero seven for the battle of the battle. Uh, cool. Um, anything else that we got to do this week, Zach? I know it's been a longer one, so. Probably not. No, I think we're good. Thank you very much, Dan, Professor Daniel, for coming on. You imparted so much knowledge onto me. I feel like smarter having leaving. Le- I feel smarter leaving this podcast than I did when I walked into it. So thank you very much, Daniel. It was uh, the th- no. I should be thanking you too. The pleasure was all mine. It was a, it was a joy to be here, uh, having listened throughout the last uh, several weeks to this podcast of yours and seeing how well you guys have done and. Um, you get better every time, and I, I, I get a, a ton of joy every week whenever it pops into my podcast feed. So thank you for having me, and um, I'm glad that you found my uh, my tangents into political science and law <laughs> in yeah. any way uh, in any way educational. I should I should very much caveat that I am not a professor. I feel like every professor out there would be insulted if they <laughs> um, looked at my LinkedIn and found out that I don't in fact have any form of tenure or whatnot. That the the origin of that comes from. Um, Josh Wiggler, uh, the great Josh Wiggler guest lectured at a, at a reading group course that I did teach at, at, uh, at law school on a, on a television show that is probably beloved by many that I won't name. Um, but, but he, he referred to me as Professor Strunk during the class and then continued to refer to me as Professor Strunk throughout his, his podcasting. And so it just, it stuck in that regard. And so I, I, uh, I may be like a, like Dr. Phil is not really a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not channeling the right guy because I think Dr. Phil is not really that, that if you look at him too closely, not, not a good person to be comparing her, but that's the, yeah. that's my, uh, I should say I've, I've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed being referred to as Professor Shrimp. That was very fun. Yeah. Well, I thought that, uh, you know, you being a professor and all that we were going to have a quiz at the end. I've been taking notes the whole time, <laughs> frantically like typing up these notes. So I'm glad to know not a real professor, no quiz at the end. Uh, no, but I love, I love the professor shrunk, uh, like, the, the the naming of it i think it's uh i think it's great yeah uh, especially yeah, like as as you'd write in with like econ things it, it uh, felt even more apt yeah give it up uh give it up for the great josh wiggler for coming up with that yes and letting us have this podcast so yeah. uh give it up to josh uh like as many times as possible yeah anyway uh daniel thank you so much for coming on this was an absolute blast to talk avatar with you uh really was quite fun is there anything that people can follow you on to uh keep up with things that you're doing uh, it's a great question. I gave up social media a bit ago. Um, so there isn't much, but I did, I never deleted my Twitter. If you wanted to go to up at Uptown Strunk, it's still there. You can see my <laughs> terrible movie takes from like years ago before I stopped tweeting. Um, okay. and then I created a, I, I this is only the second podcast I've ever done. And for the first one, I did like a Spider-Man three recap with Josh and Kevin on everything is super. And for that, I knew this question was coming on that podcast. So I created an email called email professor strunk at gmail.com. So that's literally like E M A I L P R O F. Yeah. You know, I could keep spelling it, yeah, but yeah. it's email professor strunk at gmail.com. And I said on that podcast that if anyone emailed me 
um, at that email address. I would add them to my holiday email update, which is how I accommodate for not being on social media and people in my life not really know what's going on with me. I send out a once a year uh, holiday email update on Festivus, December 23rd, which is a, a Seinfeld holiday. Yeah. Um, and so if anyone wants to be added to that, they can email the email professorstrunk at gmail.com and I'll add you to it. I will say the last time I did this on the Everything is Super podcast, no, no one. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, so, I play. So no one, no one has been added to this from the okay. post show recaps community, but maybe this time I needed that ang in their, their, that ang in their bump. The ang in their bump will be bigger than the Everything is Super bump. Uh, somehow, some way, maybe that's true. I mean, you'll have me. I'm quite interested to see what, how this, uh, this update looks like. So I definitely will, uh, sign up. So yeah, it's, a, probably it's, a, ton of, it's a, it's a lot of fun to write. I encourage people to do it. And then, um, I should also say sometime in the future, I'm probably going to start a sub stack, but that is like way, 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 way too. I'm just plugging that early. And I, I don't know if that'll be months or a, a year before I, I get that up and going. All right. Well, uh, cool. Yeah. Check out, uh, you know, the mo- or yearly, I guess, update, uh, by email professor strunk. And, and then, uh, at some point you'll get the canary on when the Substack goes live. So yeah, yeah, two exactly. in one. Exactly. Cool. Zach, where can people keep up with you? People can keep up with me on Twitter at Zach Muhammad 32. And where can they keep up with you, Jacob? Twitter at JK Redman. Uh, thanks so much for coming on this fun ride with us. Daniel, thank you so much for listening uh, or, and yeah, and writing in. Thank you so much for being on the podcast uh, this week. Uh, yeah, I am just like super appreciative that people do listen and that we do get to do this every week. So I am just like very grateful. Uh, yeah, yeah. So thank you to all the listeners making it two hours into a episode of TV that was 20 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> quite the troopers. But uh, yeah, cool. That's all we have for you this week. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today! At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.